Boardman gets pot. Oh yeah. We just want our respect. Our organization wants their respect. And I want my damn respect too. It has, it has. Max, what's up, my man? Dr. Bot. It's good to chat with you. Yes, we, we are back. Say what? We took a long spring break. We were at a long spring break. <laughs> oh, my dog! My dog just finally got here. Can you? I guess the listeners will hear him. Hey, buddy. Do you want to sniff into the microphone, huh? You sniffing the microphone? Yeah, that's the microphone. Okay. <laughs> well, hey, we're rusty. We're rusty. All right, everyone. You know, it's been a while. Your first couple games back. You got to get into it. Plus, I've had a few adult beverages, so I'm not going to have my fastball today, Deep. I'm just calling that right now, okay? <laughs> but, but, and I have to be circumspect when talking about my company, but I can talk I about it. I understand that. So, I mean, the interesting thing is your company was uh, was probably some of the biggest news of the day today. I have never seen CNC so on the tip of a single IPO, maybe since like a long time ago when it was like Facebook. And those guys, like Facebook's the last time I could remember them really being devoting that much coverage to the IPO of a single stock where they literally kept showing the price, you know, as the day was going and it was rising before the release. Uh, what was that like from your perspective? Uh, yeah, so I think, uh, like, okay, hey, sorry, my dog just came with crazy. Yeah, Frederick, it's fine. Um, so look, I mean, don't worry, I've been waiting for this day for a while, right? Uh, I'll be honest, I think in some ways I'm waiting for it over a year. Um, so I'm like in data, right. And I, I, you know, could see the revenue numbers when we had them widely available. Now we kind of reduced availability to them. Mm-hmm. But I remember during the pandemic, right. During the like, COVID when like the market crashed and all that, uh, we were still making money and it was, I was still like, okay, like now granted that's cause you know, digital businesses did better than real world businesses, all that. But still it was like, Hey, look, if we can survive this, like we're going to be okay. Right. And if we get, we're still making money, even when like things are going South with like the market turns, which we all kind of were expecting in the latter half of 2020, uh, this could be really profitable and I could be doing really well. And so I've been waiting for this day for a while. Uh, and especially, especially when we saw the, um, the success of Airbnb's IPO, DoorDash's IPO. It was funny. I was chatting with somebody at work on Slack and we were like, wow, Airbnb really popped. And I was like, yeah, we should uh, go public next week if possible, right? And then literally it was the next day our company announced the IPO. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's like, and then, so it was cool. Like, so that was December. So I was like, great. Um, uh, but then it was just, you know, it was like, there. then like what the whole Trump thing and there's like an administration handover, you, you know, we need the SEC approval. And there's like, we're a crypto company. We're the first crypto company. Is this going to work? So it was kind of, although I know from the outside looking at it, everyone's like, oh yeah, it's going to go public. It's going to be great. You know, it's a little bit different when it's you, right? It's like when you're taking a test and everyone's like, don't worry, you're going to do great on this test. And you're like, yeah, but you're not taking the fucking test. Like, trust me, it's like different for me, right? 
And so, yeah, I think in some ways it's an element of relief. Just like, okay, this is like, now granted, like I'm a passive observer and it's obviously great for me financially, <clears throat> but there's some element of relief. Uh, so, yeah, so it's kind of crazy. I don't watch CNBC if I had on all day. Uh, and yeah, you're right. Like, look, uh, I'm a frequent quitter, critic of the media, but I got to say, when it's selling your product, the media is amazing. <laughs> so, like, but they were covering I started by, like, because I was excited about this all day. So I started in the morning and Jim Cramer and the other guy were on. And so you got to know this about CNBC. They're like all ex-Goldman Sachs bankers, basically. That's like the resume they all have. And they were just like, we can't believe this company is like going to be as valuable as, as Goldman Sachs all of a sudden. Like, what have they really done? And I was just like, this is like such an old guard, new guard. Like, it's like, okay, boomer would be the response to that kind of yeah. uh, thing, you know? Well, yeah, it's kind of like... Uh... I mean, one of the interesting things is we get a lot of flack because I think we're valued at more than like the the holding company of NYSC and the holding company of another exchange, right? So everyone's going like, why are they valued more than these exchanges, right? They're an exchange. And then people then are going, and they're, they're valued more than Goldman and this bank. Like, why are they valued more than those banks? And it's like, well, you just named two distinct businesses that we do, <laughs> you know? So like... That's why, like, because people aren't custodying money with the NYSE, you know, anyway. So, like, I think, yes. Yeah, I have more money with Coinbase than I have with Goldman Sachs, but I have no money with, with Goldman Sachs. So, let me just leave right. it that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think, uh, anyway, I, there's a lot there, but I do think there is some element of changing at the guard, right? And what I've heard, like, this, what the scuttlebutt I've heard is that people are still kind of shocked at how much money Coinbase, how well we've been doing financially. Uh, the number of users, assets under custody. I mean, we're, you know, th- those are all like, we're in the top 25 of financial institutions and all those metrics, something like that, right? But per our most recently publicly available numbers, I'm not working with sharing anything that's not publicly available. So, uh, so I think there's like, so there's an element of like shock, but then there's also kind of like, there's definitely going to be some envy, you know? It's like, who are these fucking nerds who are just messing around with computer code to like, be handling all this value, be worth, why do people think they're worth this much, right? And so, anyway, uh, so, I mean, you know, there's definitely, like, you can sense that, um, but I think one thing is I wouldn't be surprised if you look at the flow of talent right now from between tech and the banking system. I would, I don't have a way to measure this, and I don't yeah. know, but I'm, I'm guaranteed that Goldman, we are getting more Goldman's best than the other way around. around. And that's what I would do, too. If I was, like, if I was in banking, and I was like, well, there's these guys who have all the tech skills over there, I can go over there and be the person who knows finance. Like that would be the move I would make rather than going the other way. Well, I mean, I guess you could do it the other way, but you know that the banking, like the traditional banking infrastructure is going to squeeze you, right? They're like already set up to squeeze you for all their worth. They're not ever going to give you equity. They're, they're going to treat you with the old school work culture, which is a pretty hardcore burnout culture. Right. And they're going to pay you as little as they can, right? Where, the new money culture of the West Coast is a little bit more favorable to employees at the moment, at least from what I, I can tell as a completely removed person. Yeah. Um, look, uh, I mean, there's there's this quote I love that Reed Hastings, the CEO of Netflix, had back in 2012 where he said, hey, look, our strategy is to become HBO faster than HBO can become Netflix, right? That was like 2012. I swear he said that. And I remember that because it stuck with me because I thought it was an interesting statement. And this is something we've just seen play out again and again in the last decade where you have healthy, profitable, strong businesses, incumbents, and to come up against a tech version of it. And the, the talent flows predominantly one way, 
and it's towards the software companies, right? Like, and this is one case of that. So look, I mean, yes, I'm aware of all the EBITDA multiples and like, can we sustain the growth and all that, blah, 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 all that. But obviously I'm still very bullish. Now, with that said, was it all sunshine and roses today? Like, I mean, I don't know. I hope I don't get in trouble for this, but look, like uh, the prediction sites, some of the, this FTX prediction token that I've been tracking since January. So that's three months. When I went to bed last night, it was predicting we would be worth 620 bucks, right? And when we opened, we opened at $380. We finished today at 330-ish, right? Max, that happens with every single IPO, especially ones where no, you guys weren't on a, what's that word where you can't sell your shares? Lockup. Lockup. So like I expected it to go up and then the, the, the people who like needed the money for something or have been waiting a long time. You know, some people have houses to buy. They have marriage, weddings to pay for. They got shit to do. Yeah. So like, but almost every IPO I've seen does that. And remember, I remember when Facebook came out, this was a huge thing where people were like, well, Facebook didn't go to 1,000. It went down to 25 when it first opened. And like now, if you had just bought Facebook at 25 on day one and just held, you'd be sitting pretty. Yeah, you know? you'd be up 12x. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And so look, I, I think, you know, I, I think there's two things going on, which is, I mean, the first, there were two dominant narratives I heard coming from CNBC, and which I've just heard. The first is competition, right? Competition, competition, competition. Everyone's like, look, like the fees that we're able to, most of our business comes from transaction revenue. And the, our fee rate is, you know, orders of magnitude higher than the traditional fee rates, right? In terms of like what NYSE is charging for a trade versus what we are. So everyone's saying when competition comes into this space, they're going to eat into your margins, your margins are decline. It's just not worth that much as a business. And it's like, yes. Uh, and everyone's saying this as if we are haven't been fully aware and haven't been building products to address this since but, I joined. I know. <laughs> and also, can I just say this as a person, as like a lay person who's doing the one thing with crypto is because it's new, you want to go with the more trusted name. There is like a value in the trust that I have in something like Coinbase versus using something like Binance or one of any of the other ones because the other ones, I'm not gonna lie, they seem a little bit like, you know, odd or shady to me sometimes. And at least with Coinbase, I know what it is. It's a known entity. So when you're getting people who are not familiar with the crypto world or, and maybe not even familiar with investing, I actually think that actually heightens your advantage. Like the fact that you guys charge a little bit more of a fee means like, okay, this is probably gonna be a little bit more reliable, which I know is stupid, but I fall for that shit all the time. And like, yeah. I, and I'm along, and I've become an enemy of Robinhood ever since this year. So I refuse to use them. And like you, what you told me before, you can't custody your crypto with Robinhood. Maybe you can now, but yeah, I'm going to support it. They they will support it soon. Um, so like you could buy Bitcoin and send it off chain. Like they're they're, they're they they've announced plans to support it. Obviously, I don't know when, uh, but it's in the works. But yeah, I think look, it comes back to your this core thing about trust, right? Because when it comes to your finances, trust is about money. money. That's, yeah. what, that's what all these advertisements I get on my phone, Goldman Sachs, like all trust. You want to put your money in some someone you trust. Right. Well, like there is that element of trust to something when it becomes big. And we talked about this on the previous pod where the word credit comes from Latin word credo, which means I believe. Literally, like credit, like which is core to a financial system, is based yeah. on belief, right? Yeah. And belief comes from in turn from trust. Trust comes from verification, blah, 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 all that. Okay. So, um, yes, like we, we look, we have a trust advantage, right? And look, I'm going to say this right now and maybe this gets picked up someday and it's going to be non-controversial, but like, yes, our fees are going to get squeezed. We are very aware of this. Okay. <laughs> like nobody thinks that we're going to be like E-Trade. I mean, look at E-Trade. They were charging $8 a trade in the nineties. Now it's free, right? Like there's going to be a day where Coinbase trades are free. 
right? And so, uh, look, and when that happens, we got to figure out how to make money outside fee trading, right? And But the good news is we're exploring to do that in many ways. And ultimately, in order to make that money, you need the assets, right? And who has the assets? Yours truly. Well, ours truly, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, I, don't, I feel like people are forgetting, like, in order to ensure free trade, to really get to free trades, you have to be able to cover those costs and everything. And, and I mean, literally, if Coinbase went free right now, they could annihilate every single other. Right. Crypto. One of the ironies is that, and that, this is one of the ironies, and I mean, I don't think I'm going trouble saying this, is that everyone's talking about the dangers of competition. And it's it's like, to me, I'm like, we are going to be the biggest beneficiaries of this because yeah. that, that transaction revenue is just like oxygen for the rest of these players. And if we start sucking that out of the room, exactly. you took everyone else is going to get tighter too. It's not just like, it's like everyone's imagining like we're the only ones whose margins are going to get hurt. Yeah. And it's funny, every competitor, they always say, oh, they're going to cut on these margins. I'm like, all these competitors have been around for years. Like all these, some of them have been around before us. Like <laughs> when is yeah. the magical moment when they're going to start slashing, putting margin pressure on it? It's a, uh, anyway, so like, look, this, this competition thing, it's like, yes, like literally there's no such thing as a free market product that does not have competition, you know, <laughs> like it doesn't exist. Uh, so yes, but it's true. Like there's gonna be competitive pressures, all that. And it's a question of, is it going to come from another competitive exchange like Binance or uh, Gemini uh, Kraken, or is it going to come from a more traditional player like Goldman or whoever? Right. And so look, we'll, we'll see. There's going to be competitive pressure, right? Um, sorry. Were you going to say a point? I have another point to make, but I wanted to go. My, oh. my, my basic point is like, I mean, I know you probably can't comment on this kind of stuff, but what I see with Coinbase doing now is you've given this this company that it's basically turning into a massive bank, right? It's a massive bank, basically. And now they've raised a ton of capital so they can expand it into, into tons of other products with a technology that undoubtedly is superior to the current way of doing what we do. So it, ha- it has like all the right mix, you know? You have the capital advantage, you have the technological advantage, and you have the actual, like, product, you know? Yeah. So I see the right things in – I mean, I'm a big blockchain – I've always been a blockchain believer. Then I became a Bitcoin believer. And now I think like this – I really do think the concept of crypto or just the technology of computers keeping track of everything for us is just like – that's inevitable. Like it's going to be the way things get done, you know? Right. And so look, uh, I mean, yeah, I look, I, I agree to your point. I think the other thing that people don't realize is that look, closing tech gaps is you need to have an overwhelming advantage to make up a tech gap. Right. Uh, and like, that's going to be really hard. And so like, I'm not totally sure what the overwhelming advantage of the incumbent players is beyond incumbency. Right. Uh, but like, look, if you're like a really sharp kid coming out of, I mean, look, the, I, I'm gonna, I'm very confident right now. Like the sharp kids who are either graduating from school or have been playing around with the crypto protocols and are gonna start doing something. Uh, I'm more worried. Now, I'm more worried about them going off and joining a startup than I am them going like Goldman Sachs or J.P. Morgan. Like I, I, I just, I, and especially like, look, I, if you're a young, talented kid and you're choosing between offers between Goldman Sachs and Coinbase, like. Do, do, please don't choose Goldman Sachs. Choose <laughs> you're gonna hate Goldman Sachs, okay? Like it's just it's not a good career decision. Uh, it wasn't like you know 2010, but now like if you have those now look if you had hey look if you end up at Goldman you'll be fine and like I wish you the best. But like if you have that choice, definitely don't choose Goldman. Like uh, 
I don't, dude, if you have Goldman or Gemini or Goldman or Binance or Goldman or Kraken, like absolutely go with the tech company, not Goldman, right? So, um, so look, I, I think it's just, uh, look, I've, I've said this, like one of my meta theses about crypto for a while has been that what uh, the internet or information internet did to traditional media and the media or information system uh, cryptocurrencies are going to, it's going to do the the value, right? It's going to do to f- traditional finance, right? And so, which would be great because those assholes have been kind of one of the ways they make money is by being on the inside, by right. being centralized. They have access to all sorts of deals that other people don't have access to. They have information. access to yeah. capital information after, like after hours trading, all that kind of shit. And crypto really liberates that. So today, I feel like was one of the first was a big victory for new finance, you know, and that's kind of the biggest thing I would take away from it. Yeah, and so I think I think it is one thing that's fascinating to me that I think is like kind of I, I'm sure we'll appreciate it at some point. But one thing I was thinking was amazing is everyone was harping. I mean, there's two things. Look at the second thing, but the first thing is the competition piece, right? Everyone's competition, competition. You know what didn't come up? Yeah, but this is all bullshit. And it's all going to zero. No one was saying that. Nobody was saying that. That would have been much more common even a year ago, right? And oh, that's – think about the – I mean, I once thought Bitcoin was a Ponzi scheme because that's what everyone was saying to me. But now anytime someone says it, I just think of them trying to lower the price so they can buy some. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think that the – it's kind of this weird tacit admission when people are like, well, Goldman Sachs is going to eat your lunch and put competitive fee pressure on you. The it's like oh okay well that's better than well Goldman Sachs is never going to do this because it's a total scam and they wouldn't waste their time right like that that admission that they're going to try to come after us it's like well okay well we've been fighting like this legitimacy battle frankly for nearly a decade and you just conceded defeat on national TV in a way so that's really I mean look so that's like a big thing and especially the other thing that's like a subtle piece of news that I think is one of those things that we'll appreciate more is the. The Gary Gensler, who was Biden's nominee for SEC, he was approved today, and he's a big fan of blockchains. Oh. So there's, this, there's, yeah, he like teaches a class at MIT on Bitcoin and blockchains. That's what he was teaching at MIT, well, amongst other coursework. That wasn't just solely it, but he's he's a big. I mean, from everything we could tell, he's a pretty he's a pretty big enthusiast. Or he supports it, right? And so there's this weird narrative, like there's this bizarre. I don't know where this comes from. I mean, I get the I get the fear, but. It's that, oh, the U.S. government's going to ban Bitcoin. It's going to get rid of Bitcoin. It hates Bitcoin. But one of the weird things, if you read any history of Bitcoin, one of the shocking things is the U.S. government, on a bipartisan basis, has been very tolerant of Bitcoin, has been very permissive of it. And is actually not saying like coming out and saying everyone should use this, but it's like, hey, look, like, so, for example, when Silk Road happened, right, the when they like came down, rained uh, or whatever, when they announced charges and all that, like they were careful to say, this was a use of Bitcoin, but this is not an indictment of Bitcoin. Like they, they, they didn't have to say that, right? They kind of went out of the way to be like, no, no, we're not, you're not. Anyway, so, so there's this whole weird like nar- fun narrative of like the government's going to ban this, but then it's like you have a lot of elements government, frankly, I mean, embracing it. The one of the SEC chairman said, no, we're not going to ban this. Like this is a new technology. We should encourage development of it. So it's very, anyway. So just this level of institutional acceptability has been kind of extraordinary. Um, which is really cool. But I think that, so, you know, it's like we're saying all these good things and yet the price went down, right? And so I think one thing he says, hey, look, like the sell pressure is probably stronger than the buy pressure, right? Like you had these institutions that were sitting on Coinbase bags for years that have increased dramatically. Who, oh, yeah, but I, don't think the, I don't think the price went down, actually. I think the price went up from the pre, 
price because they probably priced in the they probably let people buy it up first and then sell it down just so that it didn't go the other way right they could have they could have taken all the sell orders first and then taken all the buy orders right and it would have gone up in my opinion if they just it's just like the order in which you execute those right well yeah it's it's a little you know i don't fully understand so like because we didn't do a traditional ipo i i, I can't tell you exactly how the uh um, how they, the market formation piece works. But like, if you actually think about like, hey, we have a new product that we're looking to sell. Uh, it's actually like complicated to think, how do you start that? Like, how do you start that? Like, it's a, you actually think through what that looks like. Like if you had a hundred deep coin, right? Or like, you know, do you just, uh, how do you get that out there? Right? If you, and you want to get the appropriate market price. Yep. You, you know, think about that. It's actually complicated. Like you would, you would, it's not as simple as you think, but uh, so they, they had to do this whole thing. I don't fully get it, but um, look, I think the, the the second thing that I think that really stood out to me was the just the uncertainty, because like I think people just don't really know how to price Coinbase. They don't really know how to look at it. It's new, right? And uh, like I think this is a comment from not a fan of the pod, but a good guy, Andy Raverby, who's uh, who is on our text thread. Andy Raverby had a very good point. He says, bad news is not a mar- as bad a market killer as uncertainty. Markets like bad news more than they like uncertainty, right? Even if you, they'd want to know the worst case scenario, they'd rather the worst case scenario happen than uncertainty happen, right? And that is, so like when you have uncertainty, that's a killer. And I think there's just a lot of questions about, you know, yes, there's a the competition things, but there's also questions about like, you know, look, we had this ridiculous quarter, right? Where we 9x revenue year over year. I'm just going to come out and say, like, I, I don't think we're going to be nine xing revenue year over year uh, next quarter or next year. Like, I don't think 2021 or 2022 Q1 we're going to have an extra zero on our revenue numbers. I'm just going to, I'm going to say, I'm going to take the under on that, right? But there's growth, right? But it's not, it's not as predictable as say like Shopify's growth or Zooms or Snowflakes or Snapchats or Facebooks, right? Where they kind of have these predictable, pretty consistent growth ranges and. Look, the, but these nice free, this nice free cash flow that can be reinvested in the business, and look, the uh, uh, the markets love that, and look, they're just they're spooked right now because they're like, well, we don't really know what this is, and we don't know what's going on, we don't know how strong your business is. So, I think, look, uh, uh, we're in good company, and that there's there some other companies that didn't have that had slightly disappointing IPOs were Google, Facebook, and Alibaba, right? Because those were because Google, they're like. Consumer internet, is this a thing? Facebook, social internet, is this a thing? Alibaba, Chinese internet, is this a thing? Coinbase, it's crypto internet, is this a thing, right? And so look, I mean, that's what we have to prove to investors and people over the next year is like, no, 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 this is real. This is a real business. This is this has staying power. So that's what we got to do. So I mean, but I don't know. There's a lot that I, I mean, so like price isn't as great, I think, as some people wanted, frankly, Myself included, but it's fine. I'm still, look, I'm doing great financially. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> uh, but there's still a lot of reasons to be optimistic. One of which being, um, uh, if you look at the App Store, um, we're in the top 10 today. And I cannot remember the last time we were in the top 10 of the App Store. It might have been like some of the peak mania. Like there was a January mania, right? Three months ago when coin, Bitcoin got in everyone's mind again. I think we might have cracked the top 10 then. Uh, but like, look, like the last couple months, we've been out of the top 100. We haven't even been to top 10 finance app. I mean, so. that's, that's great because Bitcoin's been doing very solid. It's been a solid 300 hitter and uh, an excellent store of value it's turning into is the most yeah. important thing I'm learning. 
so anyway, it's a look. It's it's gonna be it's gonna be a spicy ride for 2021. 2021 is gonna continue being uh, a pretty wild year for crypto. I'm sure. I don't see it relenting in, in the next couple months. But uh, you know, hey, look, it's great. It was a nice milestone. It's my second IPO. Uh, first one was at Snapchat in 2017. So who knows what company will I'll be at that's going public in 2025? Who knows? <laughs> Maybe it's poor man gets job. So. <laughs> That's a funny one. More, man, more, uh, more than an ICO. There's more than a DPO. So. <laughs> Whatever did it, I would want to do an ICO just because I think that's what I want the future to be. I want the, the tokenization to replace traditional stock ownership because I think it makes more sense. Yeah. So look, uh, there's actually so some interesting. Th- I mean, I I think this is going to happen. This is just yeah. It, has to. it like feels inevitable. Like it feels like that's a much better way of doing something. So why is the only reason it's not being done that way is because a certain group of people have a strong interest in not doing it that way. Well, another group of people are going to come around with an interest in doing it that way, you know? Right. So there's also, okay. So there's also this interesting thing where, uh, so Binance is a competing exchange and Binance is, and I say this as a competitor who will never download Binance just out of spite because they're a competitor, but Binance is a fucking amazing company. They, are phenomenal the, and their ceo is like a nerd cyber gangster dude like he's a badass like i respect that guy. anyway and so binance is really pushing the bleeding edge in a lot of crypto applications and one thing they're pushing is they're now trading traditional equities and they're trading i know who they're trading tesla, tesla. right and they're allowing trading of that and so i'm not exactly sure how that works but i think what they're doing is there, they've done a way, there's this complicated thing, I won't get into it, but basically there's a way where you can have Tesla stock on the blockchain, right? We can have traditional equities on blockchains, right? And that's I think that's what's called like creating a synthetic asset. Yeah, but, I do wonder about that. How does it track the actual price of Tesla stock? That's like my biggest question. So, I, you know, I don't know. I don't have a good answer. I could see it being one of two ways. One is that they're just relying on arbitrage mm-hmm. where they're saying, hey, look, like you give me a Tesla, I give you Tesla, you know, crypto Tesla or Tesla mm-hmm. coin, right now. And then, and if some, so like if, if those prices get out of whack, like the arbitrage would just squeeze the margins, right. Where someone's like, Oh, I can like a Tesla stock is, you know, whatever, 700 Tesla coins, 800. So I can sell a Tesla coin and buy the stock, right. Or buy the stock and sell it and make a hundred bucks. That allows people access to us equities markets that can't otherwise. Exactly. Is that a thing? Are informed are going to be if versions of that? I'm not totally sure how it works, to be honest. So don't quote me on it. But it, look, it's going to be a thing. Somebody's going to nail this, and then because because especially the the level of what you can do with an equity when you on crypto applications, like it's going to be much better than what you can do with an equity in traditional sense. Because really, all you can do with an equity is buy, sell, and I guess like lend it, you know, to shorts, right? And maybe take out a loan against it, right? You can take a collateralized loan against it. Um, but the thing is, those are all going to be available on crypto as well, like lending, buying, selling, right? That's traditional trading, uh, lending. That's those. There's lending protocols now, and um, uh, you know, collateralized loans against it, right? So uh, you know, and then I'm sure there's going to be more use cases, and so it's going to happen. Like I don't, I don't fully know how it works. I don't, I don't fully know it, but it's going to happen. And like, look, I think it's just, we, we keep finding that, Hey, look, decentralized systems, when it comes to digital stuff, decentralized almost always beats centralized, right? Decentralized open source communities are smoke centralized companies, right? 
and look, as a Coinbase employee, like we're definitely have anxiety about companies like or exchanges like SushiSwap and Uniswap, right? Which are decentralized exchanges that are doing very high volume and can execute in some in ways that we can't in some ways because they're not bound by some regulatory scrutiny. So right. amongst other things, amongst other things, um, there's other reasons that are good, like, you know, better reasons, but uh, yeah, look, it's going to happen. And so anyway, I think, um, you know, we'll, we'll see how things shake out, but look, it's still a huge event for Coinbase because look, I think in 2013, if you had said, Hey, by the way, there's going to be a hotly anticipated IPO where a company's nearly going to hit a hundred billion dollars. Uh, most people would have taken the no on that, right? <laughs> people are like, no, nah, no, nah, that's not happening, right? This this stuff's a joke. It's stupid, right? And uh, now it's not the course. I mean, if anything, now people are saying, oh, the big issue isn't that it's bullshit. It's that it's is that other people are going to be better at this, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah it's other people are going to come and do this now. I mean, what I think it's going on is the people who who say that kind of stuff are just a little short sighted. They're thinking very much like that the business isn't going to change or evolve. And they're thinking that like the the people in charge don't aren't already aware of that. You know what I mean? Like I'm pretty sure like the CEO of Coinbase, he probably stayed up at night for a while thinking about his competitors. Like you yeah. know, I'm pretty sure it's like he Brian like, is not like it's not like hey, are you worried about competitors? And he's not like oh my god, I never thought of that. Wait, wait, you're telling me someone might copy what we're doing? <laughs> Look, when he when he started Coinbase, I'm sure there are multiple people talking. Oh, don't do that. Multiple people already do that. Like you don't need to do that. There's plenty of people already do this, right? I mean, dude, that's what when Google started. When Google started, they said, "Oh, don't do a search engine." Everyone, everyone does search engines, and you, they were like, "Well, <laughs> you know, our, but ours is sick, right?" If you do, uh, yeah. So look, do you, can I give it a comparison? Sorry, can I make a quick comparison to the point about we have this weird thing where we just assume like no agency by the leadership. We do this exact same thing with sports. Where it'll be like, you know, like the Warriors and they got KD. Everyone's like, oh, the Warriors are going to win the next seven championships. They're just going to win them forever, right? And it was like, we kind of just assumed the other 29 teams in the NBA were just going to fold up their, you know, fold there and be like, oh, shoot. Well, we'll wait until the Warriors are done winning championships and let, hopefully they'll let us win. It was like, no, like you had 29 highly motivated organizations run by billionaires who don't like losing, who are managed by GMs whose like livelihoods are on the line. Like, you know, like, yeah, Daryl Morey in 2018 was swinging at them, right? And almost, you know, they came within a decent chance of knocking that team off. And they ended up getting two rings, right? Which is great. Like, I'm not taking away from it, but it wasn't like, you know, like, I'm sure if you look at the quotes, everyone was just like groaning about the inevitability. And this also, like, this also happened with this year's Lakers team where we just penciled in the Lakers for a 2022 ring or 2021 ring. And now injuries happen and like, look, like other teams made, like the Nets made some crazy moves. Right, like the Nets did not start the season with either James Harden, Lamarcus Aldridge, or Blake Griffin. Right? Uh, I mean, the Nuggets made moves, but it won't matter. Uh, <laughs> so sad about that Jamal Murray injury, man. Uh, yeah, we'll get to that. But I think there's this weird. So look, I, I think look, there is an element of you do believe in the execution of the Coinbase executive team in our organization, right? And totally valid if you don't. Like, obviously, I disagree, but you know, it's valid. Uh, but look, it's not like. <laughs> It's not, we're we're going to be doing things like we're going to listen. We know about what's going on and we're going to take action. Like, so uh, and we, we hear this stuff and we hear one's complaints and I do want to point out, well, no, I'm not going to do that. So never mind. Okay. So, so <laughs> obviously, Hey, look, I'm a, I'm a happy guy. It's a great day. It's a cool milestone. Uh, but you know, I think tomorrow and tomorrow I like, I had a few drinks. I ate delicious. I had a pop a bottle of champagne and had some fried chicken. It was delicious. Uh, but tomorrow I'm getting back to work.
Yeah. So tomorrow you wake up and it's just like this kind of starts over. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I'm just very excited to see what, where this goes over the course of the next five to 10 years. Cause I think yeah. it's going to be a very interesting shift. Cause I, you know, after the internet you're and the internet, I think the internet and then the iPhone together were the two most important, like the smartphone were the two most technological revolutions of that period. Like, you know, everything became an app instead of a website. And then apps became the big thing, like develop, big, developing apps. So I'm just waiting for the next. I guess we're looking for a next hardware piece now, right? There's no, there's no revolution in hardware coming anytime soon. Well, there is. I just don't think I don't. I couldn't tell you what it is. Yeah. But I guarantee, I guarantee, there's going to be something that happens in the next five, ten years, hardware side that we go, wow. And then to five, ten years after that, we go, why did it take? Why were we stuck on smartphones for so long? <laughs> right? Because, exactly. You know, between PC to smartphone, right? That was probably what, like 25, 30 years? 25, 30 years. It was a long time. So, yeah, if you think about it, there's kind of, I think Ben Thompson actually posited this. He goes, it goes, it goes software breakthrough, hardware breakthrough, software breakthrough, hardware breakthrough, right? And so, in some ways, you could argue is like, uh, you know, I don't know, it's probably, I, I don't know the exact sequencing, but we can just say personal computers, internet, smartphone, um, and then hopefully crypto. Yeah. Uh, although some people might argue it's blockchain. I, I would say it's blockchain. Right. Um, but I, I do think it is. And then, yeah, then it's going to be hardware, right? And is that going to be, I don't know, uh, glasses? Is it going to be better watches? Is it going to be VR headsets? Uh, you know, as like a computing platform? Is it going to be drones? Uh, is it going to be cars? I, I don't know. You know, we're, that's what we're going to find out. I, I have my ideas and thoughts, but I, I couldn't tell you intelligently. I mean, I if we knew what it was, Max, we wouldn't tell anyone. We would go invest in it right yeah, now, yeah. mouth shut. Make well, I, I do, I do definitely think. I will say this, and I'll put this into the world. Like, I think there's a world where something with drones and or 3D printing is like a new computing platform. Mm-hmm. Uh, where you know, I think a lot of the goods we order from Amazon, there's probably more than we realize. We could probably, if you bought a 3D printer, could print at home. I mean, right? sick. I've thought about that before, even in 2016. But I feel like that technology kind of well. Yeah. It needs to improve. No, no, it needs to improve a lot, you know, um, because because it, it needs to be like, hey, look, I can print this wrench that you want with a metal filament in like thirty minutes or like instantly. Dude, IKEA should fucking sell three D printers, man. Who <laughs> should? IKEA. Like, oh, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Did you lose that weird like little nook thing you need for this? Here you go. Just print it in like right. five minutes from home. No, so uh, look, I, I think like, anyway, I could see that happening. But the, the other point I want to make is, so I one of my metatheses, like I said about crypto, is that all the patterns of the information internet are just being replayed with the value internet, right? And so that's both exciting, but let's also keep in mind that just letting pretty much everyone on earth all pretty much talk to each other instantaneously all at once has caused some significant disruptions to society, yeah. right? So we're about to just take that dynamic and then throw, just throw money into that churning pool of stuff. <laughs> just imagine, you know, like now people aren't going to be talking to each other. They're also going to be paying and exchanging value. So it's good. Look, it's going to cause disruptions. Some of it's going to be ugly. Like I'm just, I don't know what it is, but I don't think this is a reason to shy away from this. I think it's just, this is why we should confront this head on. And I think, look, I think it's going to be great. Cause look, uh, is anyone really going to like, defend like the current u.s financial and banking system just be like no, no no this is good and we should not change this like it works yeah. perfectly it's like no uh like come on uh especially and i encourage anyone who thinks that there's no need for cryptocurrency innovation go send me a wire you know what go send me a wire 
and tell me how painful that process is. And now send me that equivalent amount in Ethereum or like Bitcoin. And uh, yeah, you'll you'll change your tune because the U.S. financial system ultimately rests on 1970s technology and it's atrocious. So uh, the back end is atrocious. But anyway, what'll help, it'll help decentralize. I mean, it'll see what it says. It'll decentralize finance. It'll anyway, break I, up. Finance. So sorry. Yeah. So anyway, we've been talking about this a lot. So anyway, if you have your questions, obviously reach out to me. But uh, anyway, I think uh, we we definitely talked about we talked about crypto for 30 minutes. So all right, all right, we should go. Let's, let's talk about and you want to talk about NBA. Uh, well, you next year on your list was Masters. So you oh, yeah. got NBA, Masters, and pop culture, and then our personal Vegas trip recap. So, yeah. so what are you feeling? Let's. Uh, I don't have the hat right now that we could use before. Remember when we used the hat to pick the topics that we were going to talk about? Oh, yeah, Let's yeah. talk about the Vegas trip. That was a long time ago, but we should talk about it before we, we forget. Hold on, rip this out real quick. All right, we'll just edit. We'll help you edit this out or something like that. Who are we kidding? He's not going to edit it. So, listener, while you're waiting, uh, we would like to take you a moment to bring a word from our sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by the wonderful, handsome, and highly intelligent people over at Coinbase. Are you looking to get involved in cryptocurrency? Are you trying to invest in either a Doge or an Ether? Well, you can't buy Dogecoin on Bitcoin Coinbase, unfortunately. I don't know why we use that for this promo. But if you want some other major cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin, Ethereum, Litecoin. <laughs> it is true. You know, honestly, though, the fact that Coinbase doesn't have the Coinbase doesn't have Dogecoin, though, is kind of it's it's respectable in a way. It's like they don't put things up there that could just be a little bit scammy. Right. Right. So it sucks because actually two huge sources of volume recently have been Dogecoin and XRP. Yeah. If we had those listed, we would be making more money, guaranteed. Um, but in XRP, like we're just not touching that because the SC, they're in hot water at the SEC. Sure. We're just not playing on those war fires. Um, uh, Dogecoin, I, I, the thing is, like, look, I, I get the reasoning. Oh, man, we're still talking about crypto. Okay. <laughs> Last thing. Um, the thing about Dogecoin is I think, yeah, like you said, like we didn't want to do anything that's a joke. But the thing is, is like, People are demand like it's like you can. I mean, I won't say, but like it's obvious that users just love this thing. Yeah, so, I don't know. I I won't counter program our compliance team. They're beautiful. They make the right decisions. So I respect their decision making. But uh, uh, yeah. Look, uh, I I appreciate the respect because look, I think we it's important to us that credibility. Like I said, I think kind of battle is like credibility, legitimacy. Exactly. And look, like plant the flag, declare victory because we won. <laughs> we are public <laughs> we are trading and in every institute you know and the question is not now is this bs the question is how big will this get yeah what can and it once, be? That, once that's like kind of assumed it's like i mean totally different battle and all that but we won baby we won all right so let's talk about vegas what do you want to cover with vegas? let's just recap what we did went on our what i hope is our first annual march madness vegas trip um vegas interesting approach to covid I could say that there were less people there than normal, but I definitely didn't think they were. Um, it was they were not. There was a lot of COVID theater, is how I describe it. They weren't trying to stop the spread of COVID. They were trying not to get sued by the government right. for being at risk. <laughs> they they didn't weren't trying to stop the spread of COVID. They were trying to stop the spread of COVID related lawsuits. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, at one point, me and my buddy Chazen were, were outside, and when I'm in Vegas, I'll smoke a cigarette every now and then. And we were both we're only gonna, every now and then. We were maybe both going to smoke one. <laughs> and 
<laughs> or I was just welcome. Chaitan was with me, and our masks were both on our chins. And the guy, the pool boy, looked at Chaitan and said, "You sir, put your mask on." He looked at me and said, "You sir, you're fine. You're smoking." <laughs> that was just like yeah. the most absurd thing I've ever heard in my life. Like, <laughs> you're gonna yeah. spread COVID more if you have it while you're smoking. So that doesn't make any sense to me. But um, yeah, it was. Uh, no, it, it was, was fun. I think we went to a self-art magic show. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't very good. Uh, it was. I mean, magic's still fun. I love magic shows. Who doesn't love magic shows? But yeah, it was. It was kind of like not funny enough to stand on its own as comedy, but not good enough on the magic front to stand on its own as a magic show. And it was like you got you got to you got to at least nail one and then be okay on the other, you know. Uh, but he was just not good enough, strong enough on both, in my opinion. So, but anyway, it's fine. Uh, but yeah, it was. I think yeah. One, I think that point about how uh, people we talked to said, "Hey, man, this is just normal." They're like, "Where it's back to normal here." So I was like, when you said like, "Ah, eh, it didn't seem quite as packed as normal," I thought it was pretty packed. Well, and, I've never been there, but I just imagined it oh, would be more. Oh uh, yeah. That's what was your thing, what were your thoughts on on what on just in general? Well, no, um, yeah. What was your I was going to see what your thoughts were on Circa? I think Circa Sports. Oh yeah, yeah. So they they have this new sports book Circa. It's off the strip. It's whatever, a 15, 20 minute cab ride. Worth it. Hundred yeah. percent. Worth it. Oh my God. Best sports experience of my life. We're I mean, there's nothing there. Besides like a live event where I'm really invested in the outcome. Right. But just like to co- for content consumption, that is the place that might be the place in America to watch anything sports related. I can't think of a better place. And like, we didn't even do the pool. They have a pool with a giant, it's called stadium swim with a gigantic screen where they show all the games. So I think that's something we should do next. Oh, year. that's awesome. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a new Circa's the new hotel in downtown Las Vegas, which is like the other part. You know, there's the Strip, and then there's downtown Las Vegas, and Circa's the the new hotel, casino, all that kind of stuff. Uh, apparently, the casinos also there are, have a much nicer COVID setup, though we didn't gamble at any of it. I was reading on my Facebook thread, like they don't have the little dividers between the people. Right. So it, it was a. Uh, but even then, I mean, look, I I wasn't vaccinated at the time, and I was around everyone and you know i was careful i didn't get covid i got i tested myself twice afterwards so and now i'm vaccinated so hopefully never get covid uh but yeah oh what so yeah so my vegas is great check out circa we're going again next year and we're trying to go for week one nfl so that'll be fantastic oh another thing major can we talk about how good major domo was that was the best best feel i've had in like maybe an entire year that i can remember uh joe talked about it a lot on sin's pod but like now i understand his, enthousi- his sheer enthusiasm when he eats at Major Domo, I'm like, dude, I would feel that too. We have like the ribs where they cut it out in front of you and then they take the fat off of it and they send it back to the kitchen and they cook the rice in the beef fat. Yep. It, was, uh, it was really good. So look, yeah, for everyone listening, look, I'm a big Texas barbecue guy. Last meal would be something barbecue, right? If I had the fortune to have that choice. And this is the closest I've come to like top tier Texan barbecue. Like in terms of meat quality, it was, it was, they do was Korean. Yeah. It was Korean short ribs or spare ribs or barbecue, Korean barbecue. I don't know. What, I forget what it was, but there was some, was it, was it, it the short rib? It was, beef, it was short ribs. Yeah. It was beef ribs. It was incredible. It was so delicious. Uh, yeah. I highly recommend it. It's expensive, like, it's expensive, but it's really good. So I think the great thing about Vegas is as long as you don't care about how much money you're spending, you're going to have a blast. It's like adult Disneyland where just don't look at the price tags. Just, just pay, just throw the receipt out. Don't look, and you'll have the time of your life. And it was fantastic. It was great. I mean, it was great. great, great I, I learned how to play craps, which is a very important game in my life. I caught a, I caught a great heater. 
at my first game. I think that's now my game of choice whenever I go to Vegas. But craps is very risky. You can lose a lot of money very quickly, or you can make yeah. a lot of money very quickly. All right, cool. Let's uh, all right. Let's let's do the quick. We mentioned it. Let's just do a quick COVID update. Oh yeah, for people. Yeah, yeah. So I get what they're doing with this Johnson and Johnson pause. I was thinking about it today. So you know they paused the Johnson and Johnson trial because six, six cases of the cerebral venous thrombosis. That I was reading about it. You know, this. I don't, I don't want to get too much into the weeds. It's it's rare rare what's going on, but the reason they paused it is to make sure there aren't more cases of it that we're missing. That's what I think is actually going on here because we got a ton of literature emailed to us that day being like, okay, this is how, if you have a patient with the J&J vaccine that has a headache, these are the symptoms to look out for. This is where to send them and this is what, what to do, right? Now, to be honest with you, someone with the J&J vaccine, if they had a headache, cerebral venous thrombosis would be very, very low on my list of things to think about because it's super uncommon, okay? Mm-hmm. Right. It's super uncommon in general. And like there are just you, in medicine, you need to think of common and life threatening. Now, cerebral venous thrombosis can be life threatening, but you usually have to have something that we call the worst headache of your life, which is like a red flag type of thing. And we send you to the emergency department anyway. So the whole reason for the pause, I think, is to wait a week and see how many if there are more cases out there. And then I think as long as there are no more cases, they'll be like, all right, this is safe. Now we know that the side effect exists. Just watch for it. The question is, are these cases of cerebral venous thrombosis happening more than the general population to begin with, which it doesn't look like it. I looked at stroke, and it, which, is a, which is a neurology journal. Sorry, I might sound weird just saying I looked at stroke. But um, yeah. and they published, it was like, the mo- even if you did the most aggressive number, it was one case for every 500,000 people, I think is what you'd expect in the most like aggressive number or no two cases for every 500,000 people. So if 6 million people, which have gotten the Johnson and Johnson vaccine and two cases, every 500,000 people, you would expect there to be 12 cases, right? So they found six. Yeah. You said six. Wait, it was how much, how frequent was it? One every 500,000 people Two every 500,000 people. So yeah, if there's seven, if there's seven million vaccines, then you would expect twenty-eight. Oh, did I do that? two per five hundred thousand. So that's four per million. Seven yeah. times four is twenty-eight. Twenty-eight. Yeah. So there's twenty-two missing. There's twenty-two missing strokes out there. Right. You know? well, so I could argue right now, only, only knowing six, that the vaccine tends to decrease your risk of cerebral venous thrombosis. Right. right. So, so this is, I mean, well, this is one thing that'll be really interesting going forward is so coming from where I'm in data science, like to me, my initial reaction was to stop. This was like lunacy, right? I was just like, this is insane. Uh, Just cause I mean, look, just back of the envelope. I was like, okay. But like, I guess like, but you look, it's serious. I get it. You want to have guidance, right? All that. But like, part of me is like, shouldn't you have like baselines for here are the stacked ranked list of medical conditions and we are just going to publish these things ahead of time and say, if any rate gets above this, we are pausing until we understand this, right? And this really? is like what we do for our experiments, right? Where we have treatment control and we uh, have like error thresholds, yeah, right? That's actually, that's actually really good what you're saying. That. That's, and that's what they should have done, but they just didn't because they didn't think it right. through, I guess, or whatever. Control for anything. Like, you know, because usually you do have to, you do have to like list your side effect conditions that would cause you to stop a study. But you know? like, 
it's like it's like look the thing is like if you make seven million people i mean look i guarantee more americans have died in traffic accidents related to getting and receiving vaccines than they have for this right so what people i mean it's not that vaccines cause car accidents right you know it's like and so it's just uh, <laughs> when, you, when seven million people do something or really a hundred million people do something uh just shit happens like i i this doesn't even need to be said and so anyway i guess so coming from like my perspective i was just totally like appalled by this now look i, I know and look it's kind of like oh yeah it's because the main goal of the medical community is to get billed and not get sued right so make sure those two things are taken care of then we'll worry about patient care right because i don't know america is run by america's medical system is run by like trial lawyers or something oh, dude. Too. Uh, so anyway it's unfortunately over healthcare are the worst but what, what's interesting, what will be interesting and really cool is, so one of the things, I don't know if you saw this, do you see the thing with the mRNA vaccine where they created a, an HIV vaccine? Yeah, and dude, that's HIV. huge, man. That's yeah. revolutionary if they got it, yeah. if they do it right. And then you were, you know, you and actually I'm talking to other doctors, they've said, look, this can be a cancer therapy, right? And so not a, hey, now like go out and, you know, you know, shine a, you know, play with x-ray, you know, start eating mercury or whatever. And then don't worry about it. It will cure cancer. Like, don't do that. But, um, you know, for like, especially like there's anyway, what's cool is like that MRNA in a way it's got this weird, there's some way I don't fully get it, but there's a way it's actually like programmed, right? There's some element of software to it. Right. And so it's, it's literally a code that once you know the code you're looking for, you can build your own MRNA that replicates it. And the way the vaccine would work for like a cancer would be, it would be personalized cancer. We talked about it before. Right, they take right, a tumor right. out of you. It probably takes two or three weeks. They figure out an mRNA sequence that's you know, unique. That's going to get fat. That's Look, unique. I guarantee, I guarantee if they have this can grow in a decade, it's going to be like, hey, we'll have your vaccine ready in an hour. You know, they'll figure out how to grow your, they're going to be like, oh shit, we're going to pull this tumor out and we'll give you your vaccine and boom, you're going to be in remission like starting tomorrow, right? Like that's going to be, hopefully that's happening by the end of the decade, right? And it's feasible. It's not. Yeah, there is one guy, there is a one lab that's doing it with monoclonal antibodies in 72 hours, which is extremely fast. Um, awesome. It's so, all about the biotech part of it, right? That's the slow part. So anyway, I guess I think there's, there's, so that's like cool. And I think, look, I've, uh, I think we're realizing like, hey, look, like, like what one sixth of our economy is like finance. One sixth of our economy is healthcare, right? And these are just bloated, inefficient legacy systems, right? And it'd be really cool if in 2030s we're talking about what mRNA and technology are doing in healthcare, what crypto did in the early 2020s, what social internet did to media in the 2010s, right? If that, ha- I mean, that's like the best case scenario. Um, and anyway, so I, I would hope, but part of it would be like, look, when you're doing these large scale things, like. You know, I'm hoping like in some ways, like these things are run more like software companies in some ways where like in terms of the data or orgs, because look, the, the best data orgs on earth and like I've, obviously I'm biased, but I'm pretty sure this is true are software companies. Right. And we're pretty good about establishing thresholds. We have whole processes around like guardrail metrics, guardrail thresholds. Like we just have gotten really good at this because, I mean, ultimately we're optimizing on things like user engagement, retention, all that. But Imagine if you had that discipline and that level of data driven like consistency and execution for things like rolling out a vaccine, like helping to reduce like instances of heart disease, like testing out a new like high blood pressure therapy. It would be so much higher leverage than ads optimization. It'd be amazing. You know, you know, you know who does data right now in most on most medical studies? It's medical students, it's residents, and if you're lucky, you have enough funding to fund a data scientist, like one person. So literally most of the people who are doing medical research in America right now and analyzing the data 
and to helping design the studies are all are doing it as a second job. They're already in a like you know you doing it to advance their career on a limited basis are already full time working as physicians or residents or in medical school and they're the ones who are crunching the numbers and learning it on the go. So it's a very like space ripe for improvement in terms of who's leading the you know leading these things right now. Anyway, it'd be that'd be man that'd be so cool if that happens because look I I said someone in crypto. Like, look, no one, there's not a lot of, ex- no one's going to do a sci-fi TV show about all the awesome stuff of virtual currencies, right? Like, you know, that's just not going to be as sexy as Star Trek, right? Mm-hmm. Star Trek is sick. You know, it's like aliens, space, big things. Like people love big machines and technology, right? Like people don't like, oh, check out my, like this optimization that speeds up, you know, NFT creation by 300,000%. Like no one cares, you know, except nerds. And like, obviously it's important, scalability, all that, blah, blah, blah. But anyway, it would be really cool. Like, I guess what I'm saying is like... I mean, I think it's inev- it's inevitable, though. Because it, would be really it definitely cool. works. And if you look at, right, in cancer in the last 20 years, the big revolution has been these monoclonal antibody therapies. I, I'm sh- I know you might have seen them on television. They're, like, advertised for them all the time. For like, But really, Max, they have revolutionized lung cancer, pancreatic cancer, breast cancer. To the point that, like, and I had this moment in residency when I had a patient who had had, like, pretty bad resistant breast cancer for 20 years and she had taken this medicine and been fine and i was like man they turned her breast cancer into a chronic disease which is like a huge step forward like 20 years earlier 10 years earlier she would have been dead you know and that's happening with lung cancer that's happening with pancreatic cancer and so those therapies are a lot like the the monoclonal antibody therapy that trump got and that a lot of people get for even for covid so that's like that was like the next intermediate technology. We already had that technology and we applied it. This is a new technology that works and works like phenomenally well for defeating viruses. Like viruses will be, a lot of viruses are going to be fucking gone in 10 years. Like that, I guarantee you, like we will have a lot of viruses that we couldn't treat before will be gone, which will be huge. Wow. A lot of viruses cause, cause cancer as well. Like we, I mean, we have an HPV vaccine, but we'll have one for hepatitis C, Viruses that we couldn't treat before, I think we will now have vaccines for, and viruses cause cancer. But in the same way, the per, and that personalized cancer treatment, you know, that's already happened a few times. It worked very well in a form of childhood leukemia. That's the first time they ever discovered it. But, you know, as that technology gets more funding, it, it'll just, everything will speed up. So, I mean, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be very... It'll be a positive that came out of this this whole thing, in my opinion. I think, too, I mean, like, I think the other thing is, I, I know this is not going to be approved by the woke crowd, but ultimately it is, like, wealthy people that drive innovation, right? Because wealthy, like, it's either wealthy people or wealthy governments, right? It's either, like, a wealth and, uh, you know, because they're willing to pay. Basically, they're fronting the R&D costs out of desperation, right? So in the for technology's case, it's like the U.S. government afraid of extinction by the Soviets, you know, developed the space race, right? And so the, the American government was willing to pay absurd amounts of money for transistors, then that created this whole industry. Well, like, and then but then we also see this in tech, where like ultimately, like the rideshare industry was pretty much funded by rich assholes, you know, who like didn't want to deal with cabs, and then that now we UberX is like the cheap UberX lifts are cheapest way. And so I look, I think you're you're the one thing that's happening in tech is you're having these wealth creation events. And look, uh, there's somebody I work with, and hopefully it's not me, but there's somebody who I work with who's going to become phenomenally wealthy, who's going to come down with a potentially life-ending illness, and they'll be willing to pay out the ass for something that will save their life. And if there's something that saves their life, like they'll be like, yeah, I'll pay like $5 million for an extra three years, right? And, 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 that's, and that's how a lot of this works. In, in Iowa, 
I'm not going to name any. There's a very there's a rich guy, and they were doing they were basically taking stem cells and regrowing them into retina pieces to help treat people with retinitis pigmentosa, which is a degenerative eye disease that makes you go blind. And they figured out how to do it. And their 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 donor guy, the guy who funded all the research, was a billionaire type of guy. So like that happened, and there's nothing wrong with that. Like you can't villainize people. I mean, so the the point that we're I mean, let's not get too into the political, you know. Right. That thing. In ten years, in ten years, poor people with that condition are going to be treated for it. Exactly. And now, now, yes, there's an issue in the insurance system. They're probably going to get overcharged and all that. But still, it's a huge. At least you can treat them, right? Like, we'll, you know, we should work on the costs, but like, I'm sure we'll give them the option of like being able to treat it or not. They're glad they could treat. It. I was going blind and I couldn't afford a treatment. I'll give me the treatment, and then I'll just say yeah. I'm going bankrupt. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. American bankruptcy laws. <laughs> yeah, the great, the great paired innovation. Um, but anyway, so I guess what we're saying is like, it would be really cool. I think one thing that I hope, and this is once again, apology take is that, you know, I think there's been some societal awakening to the importance of like biology, right? Like we've gotten so trapped in the digital world and the digital world in some ways has helped us get through all this. Right. Mm-hmm. But we also have learned like, man, like now, like, you know, sleeping, like not having our eye on the ball in the physical world really screwed things up and look like I'm a digital employee and all that. I'm really excited to be back in the real world. Like I'm really excited to go to a bar. I'm really excited to see friends. I could not, I'm glad I didn't have to live like this the rest of my life. Like I I really, especially when I hung out with some people recently, I'm like, Oh yeah. Like the last year really sucked. Like, yes, it had moments that was cool, but it really sucked. Like, and so, you know, I'm hoping that there's something I'm, I'm hope best case scenario is that this combination of us waking up to like the importance of biology, biological health, dealing with infectious diseases and just dealing with the real world again. Uh, and then you have like this, these liquid, you know, like me, liquidity events, like we're hopefully we plug our money into like, let's make the real world dope again. <laughs> you know, like, like let's, yeah, it, the internet's cool, but like, you know, what's even better, like a beach, like a yeah. beach is way beach, better than the, internet. the bar. I mean, I've been yeah. going back out in the world now because the more data I read about the vaccine, the more and more confident I become in its effectiveness. I mean, we made a tremendously effective vaccine. Yeah. And I just wish people could understand that. Like the 90% asymptomatic infection decrease is so massive. It's not that you have a 90%, 10% chance of getting it asymptomatically. It's you have a 90% less than the number that it already was, which wasn't that high, you know? So it's like, it's like 0.004% your chance of getting it and spreading it now or something. It's a ridiculous number when you do the math. Um, and I've gone to places like I went to, the, I went to the Knicks game, the Knicks Lakers game. I was actually sitting in, I was sitting in the 21st row of the lower bowl right behind me was the, the suite that is set dead center in the suite was uh, Jerry Seinfeld, Chris Rock, and Adam Silver. Adam Silver in real life is a very skeleton-looking man. He's very tall and very gaunt. Right. But, uh, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll talk NBA. Uh, but, um, shoot, I was I just lost my train of thought. Uh, but, you know, we're just, you're just saying, look, the vaccine's effective. So, hey, look, I know we have some uh, – I'm sure there's at least one anti-vaxxer on the call. Get it. it look, it's your choice. No one's pressuring you, but if you're if, like, if you're like, if you haven't gotten the vaccine yet because you're just like lazy, go get the vaccine. It's fine. If you haven't gotten the vaccine yet because you're not sure, if blah blah blah, talk to me or deep. Like we'll we'll give you we'll sell you on it, you know. But I'll be making decision. If you're not gonna get the vaccine, you're not gonna get it. It's a damn shame. Wish you did, but hey, like it's America. I, I just think the country. vaccine narrative is so interesting. Here in New York, the narrative, like on trying to convince people to get the vaccine, it's like very much make an informed decision. You're right to have questions. Here are your questions, which is fine. Yeah, you're right to have questions. And I get that you want to be a questionable person, but 
you know, a questioning person. But in the end, like, this is such an easy decision. Like, I always tell my patients, like, you're making a terrible decision, but it's your decision to make, you know? And yeah. that's what it, what I feel like. It's like, this will literally free you. <laughs> like, you free you. Can you give me? Can you give me? Give me the case for the vaccine. Can you do that right now? The the the, the doctor bot case for I mean, the vaccine. Just tremendously effective is the first thing. Like it works in such an insane level that like you can know that you're not gonna you're not likely very unlikely to get COVID, which is always a roll of the dice. Like you don't know how what's gonna happen to you when you get it unless you've had it. Two, you're not gonna spread it to anyone else who could be vulnerable, which is most likely your parents or grandparents. And three, the, the side effects for most people are absolutely minimal and go away in 48 hours. Like, yes. Do you have a headache? Yeah. Is, does, do you feel like shit? Yeah. But, like, it passes, you know? Yeah. And, like, the yeah, I was say, look, I got J&J. The next day, I was, yeah, my body was aching. I felt exhausted. I just rested in bed. And look, I, I rested in bed. I t- it just felt like I had a bad hangover, right? It really just felt like I was wasted. I got wasted the night before. So I read, I drank a lot of water. I took some Tylenol, rested. I got a good night's sleep the next night. I was totally fine the next day. Yeah. And I tell people, and like, I mean, I was trying to, I was having this debate with someone. I'm like, there are, I have had patients who got COVID and never, I still have not been able to smell. And like, I know it sounds silly, but like, and minor, but like losing your ability to smell permanently is a really fucking shitty thing to happen to your quality of life. You know, like you will never enjoy food the same way again the rest of if I could just give you something to prevent that, you know, like even if you think you're young and you're healthy and you'll, you won't get sick and die, that's probably true. But I've, the people that I've had lots of smell are young, you know, and losing that forever is that alone is worth getting the vaccine, in my opinion. Uh, and also, we will, if you get the vaccine, we'll all get to stop wearing fucking masks. So just get a fucking vaccine, you prick. Like, <laughs> Look, we're just gonna have, we're gonna have people who don't want to get vaccinated, and I respect that. But my my issue is like we can't we can't wait back wait for them. It's like look, everyone's just gonna make a mask. They're gonna either mask or vax, right? Mask or vax. And what, like when everyone makes that decision, and once everyone who's decided the vax vaxes, cool, and then that's it. And we're over. We're going back. And look, if if you decide not to get the vaccine, you don't wear a mask. And you get COVID, like, look, I want you to get healthy. I don't wish anything upon you. Am I going to feel bad that you got COVID? Absolutely not. Yeah. Like, you're an adult. You made your decision. You live with your choices. You live with your choices and you live with your consequences. Look, you make your bed, you sleep in it, right? Like, that's it. And look, that's this is America. Like, you know, like you have freedom and be don't. There's no such thing as free without responsibility. Okay. Like, just like we have the Statue of Liberty on the East Coast, we should have a Statue of Liberty on the West Coast. But then again, the West Coast is against responsibility for the moment. Separate pod. <laughs> but no, I think if there's more political diversity. We will get a statute of responsibility. But regardless, uh, look, it's fine. And But I think, look, the, the numbers look great. Like I was just looking, 120 million people have been vaccinated in the United yeah, States. We're doing a good job. And uh, and basically one shot, I mean, look, two shots means you're done. But when you're at one shot, you're effectively vaccinated. Yeah. Man. Like, one shot. I have had people who've gotten it in between. So I always tell people now, wait for two weeks. It's usually families and it's usually people who I clearly know have like got two shots and then went out and did something stupid, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. So just, just be careful two weeks after you're done. And then look, you, you should be, you're going to be in great shape. And but basically, one thing I really like about the vaccine effectiveness is it's so effective to me that we can do the whole once like fall comes around and everyone has had the opportunity, everyone can get vaccinated. If you still turn it down and we drop the masks, you're on your own, you know? I mean, you're not on your own, but, like, you're now living with your own decisions. 
and like people will feel bad for you, but they'll all, you will also have you won't have that much empathy. You won't have that much sympathy for me. It won't be like oh woe is you. You know you were such a victim. You're not a victim anymore. You know you're a victim of your own idiocy, in my opinion. And yeah. The, the one thing is if you if you through not vaccinating transmit to somebody else so who is vaccinated. I think that's the vaccine is so good, Max. That we kind of covered on that because those people will be okay. I think. Yeah. So it's basically it's COVID. <laughs> COVID is basically gonna it's gonna perfectly measure who is responsible or not, right? Who practices good hygiene, like regular, good, just regular shit, or respiratory disease hygiene during flu season? Because if you're vaccinated, you'll be and wash your hands or whatever, you'll be fine. <laughs> but if you don't, like you could be playing with fire. But still, even at, I guess like fifty percent vaccination would be great for like fifty percent compliance will be great for society. And so, I guess yeah, I think the other thing too is like. I, I think look like the the stadiums like I'm guessing did the, a question for you did Madison Square Garden asked for you to prove your vaccination? Yep, they had a, oh. they, have, they, have a they have three things you can do. You if you fill out like a stupid health questionnaire, which is dumb, then you can have a you can bring your vaccine card. There's a New York State Excelsior Pass, which was actually the most efficient government thing I've ever done. It took me two minutes to fill this form out, and it was just automatic. It was like not even it was like three questions, and somehow they knew when I got vaccinated, which was a fucking miracle to me that they kept track of that. Yeah, <laughs> that was it. And then you could also get tested at the game, and you just wait thirty minutes outside. Um, I, I had extra tickets for the Lakers uh, Nets game on Sunday, on Saturday, and I gave them to Alex Levy and Katie, and they came. I, it was like short notice, like an hour before the game. They came, they got tested at the site, and they went in. You know, so nice. it's, it's it's and also the capacity here is so low that it's very socially distant. Like there isn't anyone near you you know and so that's like another third thing i think they're doing a good job but to be honest with you sports venues are not you miss the people man you really realize you miss the people in a sports venue because they make it make we're like actually part of the fun of the event no yeah no no this is a this is a ben hunt and epsilon theory take is that what may part was makes sports and political events so compelling is not watching the event, but watching other people watch yeah, the event. Yeah. Yep. And yeah, it's it's a damn shame for things like Luca's game seven shot yeah. or AD's uh buzzer beater over the Nuggets. It's a goddamn shame that there was no one there losing their shit. Or the Gonzaga game, Gonzaga UCLA game. It is it's like a it's like a lost it's a lost it's a lost opportunity. Wait, know? wait, hold on. I have to wax poetic on that game. That game was the best college basketball game i've ever seen in my life i it was i mean hands down and i was a little drunk but i wasn't too drunk to enjoy it and i loved that ucla team man that ucla team looks like the coach went to venice beach and just picked the five best pickup players like hey that point guard he looks like bob marley all right come on in oh that mexican <laughs> guy uh, with the, with the headband. perfect power forward come on down oh half asian half black guy named juzang come on in man like literally, it was the most use. I really wish UCLA. I really wish UCLA would have made the finals because I think they could have won. That team was so great. I'm sad they're gonna be broken up. Um, and that Jalen Sugg shot, man. I mean, what can you say? That was a great ending. I don't know if you. I, I was texting you during the game, but I don't think you were watching it. I remember you were going out somewhere, and I was like, dude, you have to go watch this game. It's like an amazing game. Like, what's going on right now? Um, yeah, it was. If it's if it was the finals, it's hands down the greatest college basketball game ever. Yeah. Like it is. Uh, but yeah, it, it was the semis, and then it was unfortunate that the the finals was kind of anticlimactic. 
between um, Gonzaga and Baylor. <laughs> Baylor just kind of smoked them, but uh, that's okay. Oh, wait, um, I sorry, not to get too off topic. I did have a Top Shot question for you, Max. I just wanted to hear what you thought about this. Are there okay. bots scraping the Top Shot marketplace looking for for Top Shots that are undervalued and then buying them up right away? Uh, yes and no. So I'm actually working. I'm there. Well, I have to get. I have to pass Coinbase's conflict of interest thing. But I'm actually. I'm in contact with a company that's developing a service that's going to make it easier for people to kind of evaluate uh, these uh, top shots, right? Mm. Now, now the top, from what I can tell, Top Shot is cracking down on bots in the marketplace. Yeah. So I'm not, I don't, but I do not know what that means. I don't know if they're more concerned about like people trying to manipulate the market by inflating volume, by passing Top Shots back and forth to each other to drive up the price, right? Because like, people were doing things like, People were doing things like they would buy an expensive, they would buy an, they create two accounts, right? Then they would buy an expensive card from, like, I have two accounts, account A and account B. Account A has like a $1,000 card on it. I'm at account B, I buy it for $2,000, mm-hmm. right? So I just move it over, yep. right? And then I sell, but then I wait and then I like panic and I sell it for under market value. And then somebody buys it for like $1,500. And so I've actually just netted 1500 bucks. Although like, cause I, you know, people were doing things like that. So I think they're cracking down on stuff like that. Uh, so I, you know, I don't fully know, but look, there's going to be a liquid marketplace evolving for that. I'm sure. Um, the one thing is that they, they're not to get too in the weeds. So the answer to your question is probably not. And if they are, it's not really, it's not like high frequency trading, but I'm sure it will become like a liquid marketplace at some point that operates like any trading market. Um, but my now friend, there's no, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Because my friend Amos, he's been scouring the marketplace looking for deals, and he claims that things are getting bought up so fast that there must be bots scraping it. He says there was a LeBron Holo card listed accidentally for twenty eight hundred instead of twenty eight thousand, and it got bought in thirty six seconds. Yeah. So I guess the other thing I would think is, um, so the other thing is, I don't think there's bots that are executing the trades but I bet there are bots that are surfacing them, right? Because basically the blockchain is flow. It's a, it's a blockchain and it's running and there's events and some of the events will be like listing. So basically, if was, but that's a publicly accessible database. Mm-hmm. So there's nothing to stop, you know, things from just hammering that thing, that database, right? Hammering that blockchain for information. So basically there's nothing to stop you from getting the information, but like, so like the bots can probably pick out, oh my God, there's a deal here, right? Fairly quickly. But can the bot? But the bots won't execute the trade. What they're probably going to do is send a text alert or flag it on some mm. admin UI for a human who then logs in, signs up, executes, purchases it really quickly. And my guess is that's probably what happened. That there's probably some kind of alerting. Because um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure something like that. If it's off by an order of magnitude, people are going to have like alerts that say, "Whoa, this is 90 percent off what we'd expect the price." And then they look they're like, "Oh, they forgot a zero idiots boom <laughs> they just took that guy's money man um so yeah i'm sure it's happening now i'm talking now i'm talking to a company that does something slightly different um i won't announce it but there, there's a couple players in this space but they're doing something where they're trying to help people make uh they're trying to help visualize the things that i, I think they're trying to help people make smart decisions about this and help with that but um mm-hmm. anyway sorry so that was the okay that was the nft tangent so uh she well, we were we were talking about nfts because we were talking about madison square garden because we we're talking about the effectiveness of vaccines <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. natural okay well, let's okay. uh let's, let's 
let's change topics. Do you want to do Masters or continue on the NBA? Let's go. To, let's do NBA. Okay. So playoffs are coming are, are around the corner now. Uh, a few interesting things. One, very sad, Shamal Murray Torres ACL, which this actually I wanted to read this article because there's apparently a lot of talk amongst the NBA that they're saying these um, all these these injuries are now a result of they think it's of the schedule basically because they have been under an extreme oh. workload. There's games basically every other night, you know. Right. And obviously, so the Nuggets played pretty deep into the playoffs. What's, what's your best case scenario for the Nuggets now, Max, without Murray? Uh, I, I, I don't think they're going far. I mean, I think they're getting best case scenarios making it out of the first round. I don't think they're getting through the second round without Murray. And I say this as a, a large Nikola Jokic stand, uh, but uh, they're just, uh, they need Murray, man. And yeah, yeah that, that's just. That was one of the teams I wanted to say. If the Nuggets and the Lakers played in the first round, I would fly to LA. And we could go to the games and we could fly to Denver and I would go to Denver and watch the games. Because Lakers yeah. Nuggets, that's like a Western Conference Finals. It would, match. Fun. it would have been fun. Yeah. It was, I mean, it was last year's Western Conference Finals. So. Yeah. And <laughs> it would have been really good. Um, Aaron Gordon, I mean, yeah, it's I, tough. So. The Clippers, maybe. But Jamal Murray was so important to that team, you know? Basically, Michael Porter Jr. is going to have to play like a stud. Yeah, I like Michael Porter Jr. I just don't think he's ready. So here, so here's kind of the silver lining for the Nuggets is they have this whole squad back next season, but they also have except Millsap and JaVale McGee and like PJ Dozier or whatever. But they have Murray, Jokic, Gordon, Monte Morris, Jamichael Green, Michael Porter Jr., Compazzo, and Bulbul, although Bulbul doesn't get minutes. They're all on contracts for next season. Will Barton has a player option, but it's really $14.8 million. I'm guessing he's going to pick that up. Yeah. So they basically have this squad for next season. So next season is kind of – they're probably going to have to push all their chips in because uh, I'm guessing – well, I don't know. I mean, a lot, except for maybe unless Michael Porter Jr. demands a shitload of money, they can probably – I don't know. They, they still have – they have Jokic and Murray for the season after that as well, and that's kind of their core. I'm not going to lie, Max. As a Laker fan, I breathe this sigh of relief. It would have been – I think the Lakers would have won, but it would. they were just going to – Work a lot harder for it. There are two teams that I'm afraid of the Lakers playing. I mean, maybe three, but two really big ones. The Nets, the Nuggets, and then maybe the Clippers with Rondo because Rondo is a different person in the playoffs. Right. <laughs> That's a good point. So, yeah, so just looking at the standings, so, look, I, I think the Nuggets, my guess is they're going to slip to six. Um, like, I, I mean, right now they're a half game up on the Lakers. They're three games up on the Blazers. Maybe they drop to five. But I, it's going to be tough for the Lakers need to catch the Clippers. They're down three and a half games with 16 games left. That's that's going to be tough with the winner LeBron and AD getting back. AD is not going to come back still for maybe another two weeks and LeBron for three. So yes, that's like another you, you basically have to catch even if you're freeze the next two weeks. Yeah. You basically have to catch up three and a half games and eight in like eight, three and a half, catch three and a half and basically eight games. Like oh, Lakers are headed for the play-in game, whether they like it or not. Well, I don't know. I mean, I think because playing games, the seven seed, right? They're four games up on the Mavs for the seven seed. So as long as they finish six, they'll be okay. But that means that right now, if they finish six, they're getting the Clippers in round one. Last team I want to play in round one. That is brutal. I want to go seven. I'd rather beat this. I'd rather beat the, 
the Spurs or the Grizzlies in a play-in game and then go play the Suns, then have to do the Clippers. And Dude, they're going to have to, like, legit tank to get to, like, the 11. They're going to just have to say, LeBron AD, just, uh, you guys just aren't coming back to the playoffs. Just rest of the playoffs. Like, that's what they'd have to do, yeah. man. I mean, uh, I actually kind of like the way the Lakers are handling the – I mean, I was upset at first, but I saw LeBron wearing shorts at the Nets game, and his – I think it's his right leg – his right leg, his right leg was significantly smaller than his left leg. Where I could just see with my eye, his right calf was smaller. So what does that mean to me? That means he's not been. I mean, he's appropriately been resting it, but in that two three weeks off it, off his leg, it actually lost muscle. So he has to rebuild that muscle because you cannot go out and play with one calf being bigger than the other. You're gonna get hurt again. You know, right. like it's going, it's gonna cause a problem. So he has to do what he has to do. AD's been fucking out for two months at this point. Like, he's, what the hell is going on? Is he just chilling and resting? I don't know. But I, I guess they say it's an Achilles strain or something. Fine. Fine. Look, it's going to be look, it's gonna be a tough road because the, the Clippers or the Lakers are not finishing better than the fourth seed. And they're maybe getting the – they might be dropping to the six or seven. Their best case scenario for the first team they play in the first round are the Blazers, who I think they can handle pretty easily. I don't think you're losing sleep sleep over the Portland Trailblazers, right? Yeah, I agree. No, but then, yeah, because it would have to be that, like, the Nuggets slip to the six, and then the Blazers jump to the four. But the thing is, the Nuggets might be able to hold on at least four or five. Like, I think I'd be interested to see what, if there's, like, projections on what round. Anyway, I think the most likely outcome is still Lakers-Nuggets round one, which is brutal. And then it's going to be Lakers-Jazz round two, and then possibly the Clips Lakers for the conference finals, only to get catch the Nets in the finals. I mean, that's just that would that's got to be the toughest road for any playoff team. Like, because look, the, I've been to four Nets games, man. When they have two of the three that are dominating, I've never seen all three together. But when they have all three together, that's going to be a huge problem. Yeah. So yeah, I think like this. I, I really like. Okay, I'm actually going to look this up because. Look, I've been like it's the Lakers to lose the whole season, but this that team is ridiculous. Like this is I'm sorry, like I am not trying to like just I'm not overthinking like, this. Like this seems ridiculous. The most, it's absurd. The most underappreciated is Marvin Aldridge is still really fucking good. Like yeah. Every night I watch him play, and every night I'm like, dude, fuck, I forgot how he's an all-star level player, and he fills their void of like a big scoring center, and he's much better than DeAndre Jordan even defensively. So like, I just the Nets. Man, I'm telling you, the Nets are plus two twenty. That just seems like free money to me. I I just don't. I don't. They just you're basically banking on injuries, right? Because here's the thing: is like whoever comes out of the West. So the West is a goddamn bloodbath, man. That those top four teams in the West, uh, those four: Jazz, Suns, Clips, Lakers. Like, I don't. I highly doubt any of them's going out less than six games. I can maybe see the, the Suns or Jazz losing in six less on five games in like the conference finals when they wilt under the pressure or something like that. Um, just because those are two teams where no one's been there before. So then your <laughs> ceiling, man, is there a bug or something? Oh, no, no, I'm, I'm putting on. Uh, I'm trying to put on the, the Knicks Pelicans game. I forgot okay. to put a lot of games on today, and I have a dual setup where I can watch on one. I have two TVs in my living room, basically. So, uh, but yeah, anyway, I was saying like just the West is a bloodbath. Like how are, you're getting out of that? You're going to have to go through two legit squads that are going to fight you tooth and nail. Um, 
unless maybe I don't know, maybe the Clips just roll over this season like they did last season. But and I don't know, the Suns. I guess the one thing is now. I guess now I'm talking myself into uh, I don't know because the Jazz have nobody who's been there before. The Suns have nobody who's been there before. The Clips folded like origami under the wilting sun of they have, line, they have rondo they have a playoff but, and they have and i'm guessing look there's also the uh it's the what happened to the um the virginia team and then what happened to the tampa bay lightning where you have the embarrassing ex- early exit followed yeah. by the championship next season like yeah. they could theoretically be have that chip on their shoulder but regardless that whoever's coming out of the west is gonna have to step over some corpses it could be brutal Here's who the the Nets like their 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 schedule right now would be they would have the Hornets who are one game above 500 in round one mm-hmm. then it would probably be the Bucks in round two Sixers in round in the finals if that's if they're the two seed if they're the one seed it's Knicks in round one Hawks in round two <laughs> like five games over 500 and whose best player is like 22 years old. And then they'd get the Sixers. So that in the East, I think that that one seed is a big deal because I think you're basically playing for skipping the Bucks, skipping Giannis, which is important too. Yeah, because the drop off from Giannis to Trey Young, I mean, all due respect to Trey Young, is absolutely massive. What about the Heat? The Heat are going to be involved. The Heat are going to be a good Heat six seed. Yeah, yeah, it's funny right now. The Heat, I guess the Heat could be get up to the. Let's see, they're only a game and a half back of the four seed. Mm-hmm. So that'd be interesting if there's like a, a jockeying. It's like, do you rather catch the Heat in the playoffs or the the Bucks? Right. So uh, I think you take the Bucks, man. But regardless, look, I mean, I'm guessing if, if the bottom four seeds are Hawks, Heat, Hornets, Knicks, you're fine. That's like that's your tune-up series, you know, you're manageable, and you get the tune-up series. And look, yeah, like the thing look, is, yeah. I mean, yes, either finals to me is good. If you get Lakers, Nets, that's a great finals. If you get Clippers, Nets, that's a great finals. I think. Um, it's going to be a test for LeBron, man. To have to beat yeah, the is- and the Nets to win the championship, even though the, if we have to beat the Nuggets, Clippers, and Nets, that's like playing on God mode. Like that's really hard. Right. No, you know? I mean the Nets. Like I said, the Nets are a literal monsters team. Like they just like, that team is ridiculous. Like, they have Blake coming off the bench. Like what the fuck is that? Like, Blake's really like, especially that Blake Blake and pulling Willy Wonka. Literally pulling the Willy Wonka, pretending like he has a limp that all of a sudden <laughs> barrel rolling and jumping up. He's like, I'm perfectly fine. He literally Willy Wonka at the Detroit Pistons for a year and a half, dude. <laughs> it's just like, I'm not, he didn't dunk for like the last season. He literally is like, I'm just, I'm not dunking for you guys. Like, I, I don't want to be here. Like a year and a half ago, I was banging one of the Kardashians. Now I'm like living in Detroit. Like, no, <laughs> I'm not jumping. I'm not dunking for you people. But you know, there's like, you know what's crazy to me is the Celtics are not good, which I don't understand. I, I'm shocked by that, man. Like, by the way, yeah, I'm, here I am sitting in the Nets' praises, and they are getting smoked by the Sixers. I, I'm watching. The, I've been watching the whole game. They've been playing well, but I mean, no Harden, no Harden. I mean, James Harden is a great player, man. He, without Harden, no Harden and no Durant. Yeah. So no Griffin. Expected, you know. Um, yeah, man, Kevin Durant is so good in person. It's really, you forget how I've never seen him play live. I think that was the first time I'd ever seen him play live and just so good, dude. And the other thing I really like about him, and I texted you about this other, like when there's at these games where there's not that many people in the stadium, everyone can hear you. Right. So there are people literally all game yelling, LeBron, LeBron, like, look at us, you know? And LeBron doesn't even look into the stands. Kevin Durant literally looks into the stands, points at people, and acknowledges their existence. And you should see how happy he makes people. 
Like people get yeah. so pumped that Kevin Durant like acknowledged them, which made me like him so much. Like he's such a genuine guy. Like you know how he got this fight with Shannon Sharp and uh, Michael Rappaport. Rappaport. Michael Rappaport, man. Fuck Michael Rappaport for publishing yeah. that for his own gain. He, he, I, he, I've lost all respect for him. He was clearly publishing that to try to build his own brand up, and he tries to act like he's this hard New Yorker guy, but no, yeah, exactly. just bullshit like woke. Like media, he's just a piece of shit media member, in my opinion. Um, yeah, look, hey, you know what? No one likes to snitch. Yeah. No one likes to snitch. All right, like, and I say this as someone who's probably snitched, and I deserve all the shame in the world for it. Like, just don't be a snitch, man. Like, if unless he's coming after the safety of your kids or like make a credible threat, yes, then you rat him out. Like, if someone comes after your family or kids, yeah. then yeah, you 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 put him on blast. But if he's just calling you, talking shit to your face, and yeah. <laughs> calling you a pasty white bitch and challenging yeah. you to a fight, like, yo, like, I don't know what you need to do. Like, go buy a bottle of Lagavulin and drink, take a couple sips of whiskey. But you know, like, be a man. Like, okay, like. Your ancestors didn't fight on D-Day for you to cry over some mean things somebody said in text messages, okay? Yeah. When you were like, talking shit to them as well. like that's- No, and he's actually his whole – isn't his whole brand like, I'm a shit talker. I'm a yeah. tough New Yorker. I'm going to tell you how I see it. And then he's like crying. He's like, people are so hurtful to me while I'm walking my dog. I was like, is this fucking happening? Look at this. He's, he's, people are getting dirty looks while he's walking his dog. Like, what is going on? He was the worst, man. I was really so upset about that. But then, and I've really gained a lot of respect for Durant because now I, you know, if you think about this, P- T- players like playing with Kevin Durant, right? Like he's Clearly. everywhere he's gone, the super team. Clearly, everyone, literally every every marquee free agent went to go play with Kevin Durant yeah. last season. And like uh, Kyrie, like oh no, Kyrie, I guess was two. Se- or wait, was no, Kyrie and Durant did it together. James Harden, Aldridge Griffin, I'm Aldridge Griffin, yeah, going the Warriors, but the Warriors courted him heavily. You know, yeah. The only person it didn't really work out with was uh, Russell Westbrook, and Russell Westbrook was, was kind. Of, and then he, Kevin Durant stuck it out a long time with Westbrook. He didn't like just leave him in the first, the first three years, you know. So anyway, it's just funny. That, by the way, so you're pointing out this weird dichotomy where, hey, look, LeBron, LeBron's got charisma. He's got like presence. He's got the brand. People love him. But then, like, it's funny though. But in those like in person interactions at the games, he's kind of cold standoffish, yeah. right? I'm not saying a referendum on his a person. I'm I'm sure he's a nice guy. I'm not, but like, it's just funny how while Durant has the like moody, surly, getting combative with fans, like he's not saying strive for greatness and posting his workout photos. He's talking shit to people, right? Yeah. But then in person at the court, he's like a jolly dude, like giving he's a real, he's a real. He's like a real one, which is like yeah. you know, like there's like in any in like high school or any social setting, there's like. There's the person that like is gonna like you know is is a politician who's like running for president, right? Says anything wrong, like very manufactured, very careful in what they do. That's LeBron. And then there's the guy who's just like, man, I like playing basketball. Like I'm gonna be myself. Like maybe I get sensitive, maybe I I lash out emotionally, but I'm gonna be who I am. And that's Durant. And I'm starting to really like like Durant because of that, because like he he gets in Twitter feuds with people, man. As someone who, who's recently been banned on Twitter for twelve hours, I understand that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so good. That is a funny point. Uh, there's some weird thing about how um, people who there's like this weird dichotomy where it's like people who are beloved and by the public are not necessarily loved personally, right? It's like this, like for example, like Reagan. People loved Reagan, but Reagan had like very few to no friends. Yeah. Like the same thing with Trump, and it might be true of Le- but I don't know. LeBron seems like he has boys. Like so I don't know. It's a little different for LeBron. The players don't want to play with LeBron. I really, I mean, a few PLA players do, but when the Lakers try to recruit, like it's not as easy as it looks, you know. 
because I think LeBron has like a circle of guys that are like, okay, we're LeBron guys. And then he's very polarizing to other people. Other people want to beat LeBron, you know? Yeah. I mean, also, I think, look, it's kind of like, a, I mean, I think Bill Simmons has made this point a bunch on his pod where he's like, look, like when LeBron's there, he's the system. Everyone adjusts mm-hmm. their game to him, yeah. right? Now, look, you do that and you're an instant contender. Like you can be Joe Schmo, 12th man on the bench. But if you adjust your game for LeBron, you matter all of a sudden, yeah. right? Like he turns like Jeff Green into a viable Game Seven guy, right? You know, uh, you know, you know. There's all these stories yeah. about how he takes his squads. So, but like, yeah, if you're a dude who's like, no, no, I want to. Basically, <laughs> yeah, you could say like LeBron is like, you are part of the LeBron collective. If you're part of being, if you're cool being part of the collective, he's great. But clearly, like people who are like, no, 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 like I like my strengths. I want to keep my strengths and be true to who, what, I, how I want to play. They're like, all right, well, then you just aren't going to play with LeBron or you're going to, you know, there's no, he's not, it doesn't seem like there's a give and take, right? It's very like, he's like, look, man, I'm the fucking shit. And he is like, he earned it. He's unbelievable. He's like, yo, I'm the shit. If you guys want to win, you're just going to do things my way. And we're not talking about this. Just do this. I'm not going to be a dick about it. I'm not going to like lash out at you, but like, I'm also not going to discuss this. Just do it. And you do. I mean, it's very much like Kobe. It's very much like late Kobe when Kobe was around the same, not the same age, but twenty eight, like the second half of the career, where like it took a certain like Pau Gasol type of person. You got to be a really good beta type of guy, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anthony Davis is Anthony Davis is maybe the greatest beta basketball player of all time. Yeah, he's a uh, yeah. You got to be a power bottom, I guess. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, he's the great. He's going for Scottie Pippen's mantle as the best number two. He's coming for you. He's coming for you, Scotty. He's got a long way to go. Scotty Pippen has that kind of lockdown. We were we were texting about this. How it'd be funny. How let's say. I mean, look. Uh, if it's Lakers Nets, I'm probably pulling Nets. But I would. I don't know. That'd be tough because I just can't bet against LeBron at this point. I kind of feel like you have to ride LeBron until he lo- loses, right? But let's say let's say the Nets win this year, and then look, they have Harden and Kyrie next year. Let's say they run it back and they repeat, right? Yeah. And they repeat against the Lakers. And then Kevin Durant ends up going four and zero against LeBron in the finals. Right. Like that's kind of like that's a thing, you yeah. know. That's like a hey, look, like LeBron, you can't you can't hold goat status when like some dude went beat you four times in the finals. <laughs> like that's kind of a problem. Yes, he had super teams, but like you were also the super team dude. Like you were in the Cavs. You're like All right, I'm going to build a super team in Miami, and now this dude's like, oh, cool, you got. Wow, good for you, man. You got four rings doing that. I got four rings doing that too against you, man. <laughs> like, you know, like the Cavs were not like a not a super team. They had Kevin Love and they had Kyrie Irving. The whole reason LeBron went there is to be around two other all bona fide all stars. Like, did it work out as well as, as anticipated? No, but you know, some of that speaks to LeBron's leadership and LeBron's thing because he couldn't I, he couldn't really manage Kyrie and Kevin Love, and there were injuries as well, but. It's not like Kyrie, LeBron didn't have super teams. He's paired with Anthony Davis here. Let's remember that. He's like, a, who's a big time top five guy in the NBA. So, anyway, so, anyway it'll be interesting to see how this shakes out. But yeah, I, I do think hopefully everyone rests up. I think hopefully this is just the last 72 game season. Yeah. Uh, Cause yeah, it seems like it's like basketball is just, it's an unnatural sport. It's unnaturally taxing on the human body. Like you're not supposed to jump a hundred times in an hour. Like you don't, there's no hunter gatherers out there who are like mm. jumping up and down repeatedly. This does bring me, and it's so true. It's so physically taxing. So I wear this whoop thing, right? And this is awesome. Actually whoop. If you watch the masters on Sunday, and a lot of the golfers were wearing whoops. And in the That's future, in the future, what they're going to do is show the golfers heart rates as they're playing. 
And if you go go on Twitter and look at PGA Tour, they already have this. And it's amazing. It's like heart rate's 100. The guy puts it. The ball is getting closer and closer to the hole. Heart rate goes like 120, 130. If it goes in, 140. If it goes out, 120. It's just like fascinating data to like see the guy on the tee. He's about to hit a big shot. Heart rate's going through the roof. Because usually golfers are not showing any emotion. You don't know if they're nervous or not. This will be like – I think it will be awesome to have live with the future Masters because you'll be there and it will be like, all right, he's on the tee. His heart rate's 160. And at that moment, you're like, oh, this guy's fucking done. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it'll be interesting. I mean, it'll be – I wonder if there's going to be – it'll be interesting if they're, when they do like the live betting based on that. Oh, yeah. Right? And everyone's like, is the drive going to be over you know under – like, sure someone will have like – You know for sure there'll be like data being like, okay, heart rate comparisons, peak heart rate – and success level. And it'd be like, all right, if this guy stays below 130, he's solid. If this guy's between 130 and 150, shots are not going to be good. Yeah. This is like, well, we were talking about how we can use data. Um, data will become more methodical in the medical field. This might not, I mean, this is like, <laughs> this is it becoming more methodical in the sports domain. Although it is like, I guess I do just ab- I abstractly worry that it's becoming a little dehumanizing where like, we're like, tracking all these data on these poor guys and they're like they're human beings you know but anyway, anyway well uh, they, opt cool. in, they opt in and they all get paid it's fine max yeah and uh, like so the, my point was just, you can't do it with basketball because their heart rates are like 150 the whole fucking time right like basketball is an extremely physically taxing sport but the nba ironically is one of the only leagues that won't let whoop be affiliated with them because they control all their player tracking data so the nba probably already has this as a thing and is going to do it to track injuries in each team but they won't let it be part of the entertainment. I honestly think the ability to show the heart rate will will make the presentation of golf so much greater. Because this weekend I watched the Masters. I don't know. Did you watch the Masters? No, I did not. So Masters, great golf tournament, right? I think the, it's the, the single most important best golf tournament because it's always the same course. You watch it enough years, you know the whole placements. Like you know 16, the goal is to hit it to the right of the pin – you can hit it there and it's going to drain. If you hit it right in the right spot, it's going to get close and it's going to dribble. Race Creek or 12, you know that they're going to always, if they go for the flag at 12, if they come up short, it's going in the water. And it happens, you know? It's just, like, there are just things you know that are going to happen. And um, Matsuyama, the, uh, the Japanese guy, won. And apparently it's a big deal in Japan, though I would say the coverage kind of sucked. Watching golf coverage this weekend, I realized, like, they need – they need new announcers, basically, man. These guys, like, don't – they just keep repeating themselves. They don't have interesting stories. They don't have enough to talk about. Without Tiger, the sport has, has is struggling, and I don't think it's because of the stars. I think it's because the announcers are not doing a good job selling the sport. I think if they sold the sport better, it would be more enjoyable to watch. That was my take from watching the Masters. You know, it's an interesting point because, look, I, I think a lot of sports have shitty announcers, like basketball, like – the Marv Albert, the fact that I mean, I don't know, maybe they're just doing it out of pity, but he's just atrocious because the dude like can't yeah. even tell the players apart. He can't even tell where they're shooting from. It's it's horrible. He's noticeably senile. Uh, yeah, I don't mean to be mean. It's just like, hey, look, there's a there's a day where that comes for all of us, and it happened for Marv Albert, and it was in 2010. You know, <laughs> like it's, it's been a while. and but it's fine because look, basketball is like, well, good thing that we have just ten of the most athletic human beings doing dynamic, cool shit or else we'd notice this, but golf, it's like, yeah. it's a lot of pauses. It's a lot of standing. It's a lot of thinking and that kind of white noise. If you just, if you, if it's, if you don't, yeah. Like if, if it's not filled well, it's a problem. It can be a problem. And 
I guess there was no demand for that, but I guess on this, we're this millennial demographic. We, we are constantly checking our phones or constantly checking Twitter. We need constant updates. We need constant feedback. Yeah. Like just like, we're not the generation that's going to sit there and watch a guy me- try to gauge the lie on 18, you know, yep. like, <laughs> that- the master's coverage needs to be modernized. Like it needs Twitter. It needs a scrolling Twitter feed. It needs, I think having the heart rate to the players would be an awesome addition. Because it would just be like you could really get a sense of how nervous they are, um, which you don't know right now, you know? I want to do – I mean, what I would want to do is for like my real-time sports betting app is I would want just real-time bets on like is he going to hit the putt or not, right? Mm -hmm. And like you'd actually have like – you'd have the feed. It's like from zero on the bottom, 100, and it's like oscillating as he's like (laughs) – Oh, oh! (laughs) I mean, that's what I would want to do. That would make it fun. But uh, you can see, like, the guys, like, as he's, like, measuring the putt, it's showing, like, the beds are 33%. And it's, like, it's, like, 38, like, 51, no, 12. Like, you know, it would be cool if it got to that. Um, gambling, I mean, gambling has revolutionized golf. It's made golf so much more watchable. Um, that's what, Okay, that's one thing that's, like, totally kind of blown my mind over the last few years is, like, I remember when, like, on the Simmons podcast, they talk about golf, and it just felt, like, perfunctory because Joe House wanted to talk about it. Yeah. But now I think, yeah, because the gambling angle, it's like you got you, Parsa, Ben are like talking about it. And I'm like, when did we start caring about golf? When did this happen? Uh, did I miss the text message? But you can, and you, what you can do is you can bet like a small amount on five guys. You get decent odds. And then you have five people to watch. And that's kind of kind of what you need, you know? Um, right. That. I enjoy All right. That. All right. Anything else? Uh, do you want to do one quick, uh, some content corner? You had something about Taylor Swift and Kong versus Zilla. Oh yeah. So I saw Kong versus, I did a scientific study. I watched Kong versus Zilla at home with my, with an OLED TV with Dolby vision and Sonos surround system providing Dolby, Dolby Atmos sound. And then two days later, I went to see it in theaters with the Dolby cinema, with the Dolby Atmos in the theater. I can say movie theaters are not dead. The experience of watching a movie in a movie theater is still better than watching it at home. It might be more convenient to watch it at home, but the big screen in the theater with seat rattling sa- uh, sound still can't be beat. So I was really glad because uh, until then I was like, I was kind of on board with this. Uh, maybe AMC is dead. But now, thanks to the Wall Street bets crowd and the fact that they still have a marketable presence or a marketable product, I don't think the, I don't think the movies are dead. I think the proclamation that the movies are dead were, uh, was premature. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I think there there could be in some form of secular decline, or maybe their expansion rate will decrease or whatever. But I mean, look, we're gonna we did this whole experiment where we just didn't interact with other people for large stretches yeah. of the last year, and that's ending. Yeah, and we're gonna be like, oh yeah, you know what's really fun? Going to a bar. Yep. With no mask on. Like, yeah. That's really fun. I really like this. We're just gonna have that experience. It's gonna, and I, I'm sure movies are gonna be another thing where it's like, yeah, dude, like. Look, I love watching Avengers, but like in Avengers Endgame, when you know all the when Captain America realizes he's not fighting Thanos alone, and just everyone yeah. comes out and they're ready to do battle, it was just good. all in my face. It was like I literally was crying because I was so fucking happy in that moment because I was like, "Yes, this is what I want." Just yell in my face and have people wail on each other. <laughs> no, it was like circa, man. It was a bring it full circle. It was just like circa, but for content instead of sports. It was like, dude. <laughs> It's to your point, like, yes, watching, yes, watching, you know, a football game with your buddies in a house. Like, yeah, that's really fun. Like, it's really cool. It's great. I love it. But 
Also, like watching a bunch of gambling, a bunch of things at like a place like Circa or like a big venue with tons, hundreds of th- thousands of people cheering and yelling is sick because humans are social animals. It, like we, exactly. we cannot. It adds exactly. hollering, people cheering. That's like it's that's fun, you know. And I agree. And that's uh, it's like just even watching football at a bar is more fun because of that. But um, and that was something I enjoyed about the sports book. It was the closest thing I had felt to a sporting event in a whole year. Um, can you hear me? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So no, anyway. Uh, all right, it's got like a random work thing, but it's all good. So we're good. All right. So the other right. another thing I wanted to quote that corner. So Taylor Swift's Fearless Taylor's version came out, which I enjoyed. I listened to the whole thing. I was actually listening to the original version. So quick, Taylor Swift Fearless. That's her old album. Uh, she has some kind of shitty record deal where the Scooter Braun, her old manager, owns all her albums and gets a cut every time you listen on Spotify. Now she can re-record them. So she re-recorded them as Taylor's version. So it's, it's kind of a modern sound. But just going through the album, I realized, like, that album is fucking phenomenal. Like, it is really, like, to me, a top 25 pyramid type of album of all time in music because it's just every track is a hit. And they're not, like, hit hits, but they're good songs. Um, and I know a lot of people will call me a bitch for liking Taylor Swift or whatever. I do enjoy that album. It was a good album. That was Dude, this one thing. Why, huh? This is why I want my to make that voting app because I want you to be able to make your top twenty-five list, yeah. and then everyone shares theirs, and we have the top twenty-five list. Yeah, exactly. It's a perfect. It's an actual way of aggregating the the information. Because if you think about that, if you have to actually list like list your top ten albums, like you would think about that hard because you're gonna you, you'll be like, oh, that's like a top ten. But when you actually go through it, you're like, oh wait, I don't know. I forgot about like yeah. my name's Twisted Dark Fantasy or whatever, right? Like I forgot about Jason. I forgot Truth. about like The Chronic. Like I don't know. I forgot about Sgt. Pepper's or whatever, right? Like when you actually go through that list, it's like it makes you think. But but anyway, sounds like so anyway. You you like Taylor Swift though? Yeah, no, it was a good album. And then the other big thing, I don't know, Colton came out as gay. So Colton was a contestant on The Bachelor. He's the one who jumped the fence, and he was The Bachelor for an entire season. So they actually had a closeted homosexual on the show. Something people surmised for a long time, but um, it, it, was a, it was a pretty big piece of pop culture news. He was the guy who was famous for being a virgin on the show. Um, and I guess now we all know why. <laughs> but uh, it, was, it was a big piece of pop culture news that came out today, Max. So I just thought I'd inform the public. Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's good. So yeah, the other content corner piece I'd recommend, I guess like two things. One, WandaVision, if I didn't, on the last one. It's really good. Yep, yep, yep. Two is uh, Falcon Winter Soldier. Really good. Disney's uh, Dude, Disney really bringing, good. Disney's bringing the heat. It's really good. Yeah, Falcon Winter Soldier is really good. Like it gets very good the more you watch it, and I really like what they've done. Like they really, I'm they knocked it out of the park, man. Yeah, I gotta say, like it's it's really cool what they've done because they they definitely feel like Marvel movies, right? Like the the Daredevil Marvel stuff didn't really feel like Marvel as much. It took place in the Marvel universe, but it just felt different but these are clearly like they feel like marvel they have the same level of production quality they have some big action set pieces but like the stories are definitely much more like slower and kind of more like character driven and more dialogue intensive but not in a way that's boring and look i'm someone who hates dialogue like i hate when it's just like the worst thing you do in a movie this is why i don't like tarantino is it's just people talking yeah I'm just like, can someone just punch somebody in the face or something? Like, give me, give me some red meat here. And, uh, so that's why, like, I literally couldn't watch Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Like, there's something in my psyche that literally just couldn't 
sit through it. But like, there's a lot of talking, but it's good because, and it's really, it asks like these really, it's kind of these, um, in a way, it reminds me of Game of Thrones, where I remember like George, when people ask George R. R. Martin, why you do this, he's like, well, like, we all love Lord of the Rings, but like, we never, like, it doesn't take place in like a real world. It's like, yeah, we see the big battle, but like, weren't there other orcs? Like, did Aragorn go through and kill all the baby orcs in their cribs as well? Like, you know, like, we don't ask like these actual nitty gritty questions. It's like this simple fairy tale, right? And in a way, like, I like how Marvel takes these things like, hey, cool, we beat Thanos and all this badass stuff happened. There's all this heroism. But like, it wasn't like everyone was magically happening and everything was happily ever after. Like, there was still like serious shit going on, serious problems that were left that, you know, and that's because that's also kind of like life. You know, it's not like in a movie you graduate and the person's like, and she graduated and her life was fine. It's like, no, like everyone who graduates, like their hardest part years of their lives are ahead of them, you know? And that's kind of like, I don't know, it's like there, there's no point where you're like, all right, I finished. It's over. Like, I solved all my problems and life's perfect. Like, there's still like always issues and they do that. And it's, I don't know, I, I think both the two main leads are doing a really good job giving like being both like a nuanced, sympathetic, likable portrait. But then also they have good bickering. Like their, their bicker game is very strong. Like <laughs> they just bicker with each other and snipe. Really I, love the, I, like, I like the Bucky uh winter soldier or the winter soldier falcon buddy comedy like budding bromance yeah it was good it's good like they have it's funny because they didn't share that many or any scenes really that we saw yeah uh but they have like some weird like they actually do have a good chemistry and it's like oh these guys have like 10 lines in the last two movies combined but now we're like hey i like these guys you know but none of wandavision and this one i wouldn't call them bad spinoffs i would call them like good shows actually that i'm looking forward to watching every yeah, no, they're great. Uh, and yeah, but the same thing with Wanda. I mean, I think we talked about WandaVision. But WandaVision, I mean, the first, I hated the first two episodes because I was like, what the fuck's happening? And I just gave up. But yeah. when I moved through it, it's actually like, it's a very beautiful story. Like, it's, it's that, and I was like surprised. I was like, this is like a, a touching story about grief and suffering. Like, this is like, like pretty. I don't know. It was like, and I liked how like she, I loved how she was a strong, it was like a woman, it was a story about a female superhero that wasn't about her being a badass in a male dominated yeah. world. You exactly. know? It wasn't trying to be, it, was, it wasn't trying to play up the sexist angle. It yeah, was like, exactly. hey, look, why don't we take this super interesting, powerful character, but the whole story is really about her vulnerability and yeah. her loss yeah. and where she's weak, right? Yeah. That was great. And, she, and Elizabeth Olsen was really good. Yeah. Like I, I didn't really care. I mean, Elizabeth Olsen was like, when they introduced her character in the second Avengers movie, it was like maybe the worst part of the movie to me. I was yeah, like, yeah, this yeah. is terrible. Like she's not a good actress and her accent is terrible. Her <laughs> accent, they were like, it was like, she didn't even know she was supposed to be Eastern European until they called action. And they're like, Oh, by the way, Eastern European accent and go. And she was like made up on this. It was atrocious. And I did like that. They made fun of that in the show. Oh yeah. Where yeah, she's, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. she's like, that accent really comes and goes. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was good. Uh, but um, no, it, the, both those pieces of content were great and man they're they're churning out a lot more because they're doing a loki movie or they're doing a loki tv show that's coming out later uh they're doing a um hawkeye tv show oh nice. uh, that so they're doing like they're basically kind of wrapping up the, a lot of the other avengers and just giving them their they're doing and then they're obviously doing this uh black widow movie they're doing another thor movie at some point um they're doing another spider-man movie another doctor strange movie and then uh, they're introducing a whole new slew of characters. So a lot to look forward to in the Marvel front. And I mean, look, I, I was, I mean, I think that especially, well, our, I think our question after Avengers one, I mean, my question of Avengers one is how can you keep this going? How can you top this? Right. This already feels like congested and they, but like they, they are really good at 
reinventing themselves. And so I, I'm very optimistic. My exact thought was the Disney writers are really good. They are. They're just They're really good fun. writers. Like they write interesting stories and interesting characters. They make me care about the side characters that I would otherwise not care about. Yeah, they, no, they that that Marvel team, like between them and Pixar, like their their success rate is ridiculous. Like it's it is. Uh, so I was watching this. I was I watched a watch a Modern Family. I never actually watched all Modern Family, and it's on Hulu. Modern Family is great, by the way, great show. And then I watched like the you know the the like a Modern Finale, like the hour special where they recap it. And you know they just show even for a show like yeah. Modern Family that has like 12, 15 main characters. The sheer amount of like people behind the scenes and complexity and even shooting that show is extraordinary, right? So I can only imagine how hard it is. Must be so goddamn hard to make a movie, dude. Yeah. Like I'm like I'm like in, like I work in digital services and like digital is like kind of quote unquote the easiest thing to do, mm-hmm. and it's still really hard. We get you know it's like we always iterating. We're always like and like so to me, I watch like these super complex productions, all these people, all these moving parts. And then they have to be like, all right, we have like a year to get this right on this truncated timetable, all these moving parts. It's like, it's, it's just hard to do it right. And the fact that these guys have the success rate they do is incredible. So hats off to them. I hope they can keep it going because it's our win. Oh, and you know what I'm excited for? Disneyland, when it opens, we'll have the Avengers Campus. At oh, Disney cool. Yeah, Avengers Campus. Oh, man, so, I didn't know that. I got yeah, go to go so to Disneyland. I don't know about Disney World, but Disneyland will have it. It's open June fourth, so obviously Did Bay. They have Star Wars Galaxy. <laughs> Say what? Do they Did have they, what? Do they have Star Wars Galaxies? Do they have the Star Wars thing in Disneyland as well? Star Wars, yeah. Star Wars is Disneyland. Um, Avengers Campus is Disney California Adventure. So it's like oh, California. California. Yeah, it's the other park. But no, Disneyland yeah. has uh, Galaxy's Edge. It was great. No, I went. I went with my family. You know, last year we did Smuggler's Run. Uh, it was, it was awesome. It's great. I love Disneyland. <laughs> man. Who doesn't? I, I feel like we've been talking for a few hours, man. I think. Uh, I feel like we've given a lot of people a lot of fat to chew on. So we, yeah. we covered Vegas, COVID, Coin, Crypto, Coinbase, Masters, NBA content I've, i don't know is there anything left to talk about there's not i mean i don't know but it was good because it's been it's been about two months so this will hopefully provide enough content all right well hopefully this lasts people and then yeah i'm not sure when we'll we'll, we'll chat we'll try to be more regular uh, i think we will yeah let's try to get let's try to do this again next week or two weeks exactly all right. perfect all right man all right. good job by you good job